Blog Talk Radio. Music, music, music. Oh. 
show. Visit MakeMoreCommerce.com for more remedies with Joey L, where remedy meets preparation. Don't even think about changing the station. You're listening to The Bottom Line with your host, Joey L. You know, happiness is a dimension of our own nature. Happiness, from a spiritual point of view, is not based on conditions or circumstances. Innately, we're happy beings. We're spiritual beings. That means that happiness and joy are already built within. And as we're growing spiritually, we are removing filters from seeing or feeling the happiness that's already there. When we're somewhat blocked, happiness is conditioned. We say, well, I got a new car, therefore I'm happy. Or this person didn't call me back, therefore I'm unhappy. And so it's conditioned-based. But as we mature spiritually and we begin to touch into our real nature and being, we notice that we're happy regardless of what's going on. Something bad happens, we don't like it, but the happiness is still there. Uh, someone doesn't call us back, some plan doesn't work out, we don't like it, but the happiness is still there. So that's a sign of spiritual maturity. So can we define happiness as the way to transform every emotion and transform it into feel something great? Yes, you, you can uh, basically, you, you discover your happiness when you're able to see that in every circumstance there is possibility, there's potential, and there's an energy behind it pushing you to a greater expression of, of, of who and what you really are. People become frustrated and unhappy if they feel there's no way out, if they feel that every road is blocked. But in reality, with a capital R, there's no such world. No world like that exists. We're surrounded by infinite possibilities. And so with a shift of perception and attitude, you begin to see those possibilities. And those possibilities uh, invite us uh, to activate potential within us. Uh, the gifts and talents within us that are latent, the possibilities invite us to activate, to discover and activate those, those possibilities. So again, then happiness would be us uh, becoming more ourselves. That'd be a very blissful state, you see. So it doesn't deny that bad things happen in the world. It doesn't deny that people die. People die on us. You know, people leave. Jobs change. It doesn't deny that. But when we come to an understanding that even with all the changes that are going on in the phenomenal world, there's still something about us that's permanent. There's something about us that's forever. And that part of us that's forever is spiritual, which means it never... It never began and it will never end. And as we become more and more identified with that, identified not just in, with a belief system, but identified that with some kind of spiritual practice, some kind of focus, some kind of intention, then our life takes on a whole different, a whole different vibration. How we can overcome the fear of rejection? Rejection is paying too much attention. The fear of rejection is paying too much attention to what other people are thinking about you and other, what other people are thinking about what you're thinking about. And people live in that kind of a bubble. I wonder if that person likes me. I wonder if this person appreciates me. And those are, uh, that's the wrong mode of being in the world. You have to think about what the universe thinks about you. And the universe thinks you're important. The, the, whatever name you want to use, you can say the universe, you can say the cosmos, you can say God, whatever. 
What, what, is, what does the universe think of you? And because you were created, you have meaning, you are important, you're worthy, you're worthwhile, because you weren't made accidentally. You weren't just accidentally made. Uh, nature didn't just come together and accidentally make you. You know, uh, there was a perfect idea behind you with c complete potential and possibility uh, to be activated. So you have to begin to think about, we all have to begin to think about, how does the universe think about me? Not how does that person over there think about me? Not how those group of people over there think about me. That's a waste of my time. Then I start to people please. I start to do things to make them like me, and, and, which may take away from my mission, may take away from my authenticity. It may take away from making my powers because I'm thinking about what they're thinking about. And they're thinking about what I'm thinking about. Everybody's thinking about what other people are thinking about what they're thinking about. <laughs> no. And what difference do you, do you see between pay attention to others yes. and learn from feedback of others? Yeah. yeah, you can learn from feedback. From others. I'm not overly concerned about what others are thinking about me because I'm, I'm living my passion and my purpose and my intention and then life gives me feedback. If, if I'm being stubborn in some area, then, then, then there'll be some feedback from either life itself or from people. If, if I'm being arrogant, you'll get the feedback. If you're being wishy-washy, you get the feedback. So you learn how to pay attention. And, you know, as you, as you mature, and become more comfortable with yourself, you're able to take criticism. And what happens is uh, you start paying, uh, you start seeing, what, what, what they're called the two imposters, criticism and praise. There are people that praise you and people that criticize you. But after a while, you don't really care about either one of them. They're called imposters. And so if somebody's criticizing you and saying, oh, you don't know what you're talking about, you know, shut up, whatever, <laughs> you, 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 you don't care. It's like, thank you for your feedback, <laughs> you know. And if somebody says, oh, you're the greatest, you're the greatest, you're you, 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 the best. You say, thank you, for your, thank you for your feedback. You start treating both the same because you're not trying to get something from the people. You're giving a gift to the people. You're getting your information and your energy directly from the life force, you see. You're getting fed by life. Life is giving you information and you're sharing it. And if people don't want it and they say, ah, it's a bunch of baloney, thank you. I won't give it to you, you know. And if somebody says, I want it, thank you. Here it is. But after a while, praise and criticism, you don't really care because you're, you're, you're becoming so in tune inside of yourself. Yeah. It's, like, it's like if you are a mathematician and you know that 10 plus 10 is 20. You know it. It's not an opinion. You know it. And you stand in front of a group. And you start to do your math, and somebody says, I don't believe that. What are you going to do? You're going to say, okay, thank you. You know, you know 10 plus 10 is 20. You say, okay, thank you very much. <laughs> Good They're giving you feedback where you need to grow. Because when you get out here as a public figure, people talk about you. If you do really good, they talk about you more. If you yeah. do really, really good, they talk about you really, really more. It, yeah. it goes with scale. And yeah. then you learn this. Um, mediocrity attacks excellence all the time. And so if you're seeking to live a, an excellent life, those who are, have agreement with mediocrity, they attack you because you're making them uncomfortable. They want to stay small, so they attack people who are trying to do big things. Let's talk about the law of attraction. According to you, how we can use the law of attraction? Well, the, the basic, first start with the basics. 
The basic law is what you chronically think about is what you bring about in your experience. A thought is a unit of mental energy. Energy can never be created or destroyed. Energy just keeps changing itself into higher or lower expressions. So if you're constantly thinking negative, you know, uh, life is hard and, and then you die. There's not enough good jobs around. Uh, there's no... Decrease crisis. Yeah, there's, everything is working. Then you, your, your body temple gets that message. The cells of your, of your body begin to hear that. It starts to produce, produce toxic chemicals. Your immune system starts to become unhinged, starts to be, be impaired. Your thinking starts to go down because of the toxic chemicals. And you start to bring about what you're thinking about. You become sick. Uh, not as much energy, so therefore your opportunities are depleted, uh, your energy is down, critical thinking goes down, and then you start to bring about that negativity that you're describing. But you change it around, and you begin to say, you know, I'm surrounded uh, by opportunities. Life is good. Everything is working together for my good. I, 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 I'm surrounded by infinite opportunities. Uh, prosperity is right here. And then what happens? When you start to say that, your mood is lifted, Tonic chemicals and endorphins start to go through the body, starts to amplify your immune system, your thinking becomes more clearer, you start to see life differently, opportunities, you start to see opportunities that you couldn't see before, possibilities open up that you didn't even know about because your attitude has changed, and what looks like the law of attraction is simply you lifting your vibration so that you can see the potential that's here. And then we call it the law of attraction, but what it really is, I call it the law, of, the law of radiation, the law of emergence. Because what you're doing is allowing that which is within you to come out and, and to radiate and to emerge and to express. And then in the physical form, good things happen and it looks like it's a, you're attracting it, but what's really happening is you're radiating it and what you're radiating is becoming visible. Tune in every Sunday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on The Bottom Line with Joey L. On Evolution Radio. Thank you. Uh-huh. Yeah. 50 years. Live Lounge. Classic. Historical. You heard? Vibe with me. Vibe with me.
take you. We gon' take you. We gon' take you. We gon' take you. Yeah. Can I get an amen from the congregation? Yeah. You know me. I'll fuck up a good thing if you let me. Let me alone, Becky. A man who don't take care of his family can't be rich. I watch Godfather. I miss that whole bitch. My consciousness was Michael's common sense. I miss the karma that came as a consequence. To get busted off through the curtains because she hurting. Can't lose a baby because the future is uncertain. Nobody wins when the family feels. We are screwed because we never had the tools. I'm trying to fix this. I'm trying to get these niggas with no strikes to be official. Y'all think small, I think biggie. Your whole past is a day to Tim, Mississippi. Out shopping in the mirror taking selfies. How was Tim on Peel Cosby supposed to help me? Oh, it's like it never accepted me. New difference is the reason I stopped drinking those seconds. We all lose with the family feels. What's better than one billionaire? Two. Back then, Muslims were often called uh, Mohammedans. And Thomas Jefferson explained that the Virginia Statute for Religious Freedom, he wrote, was designed to protect all faiths. And I'm quoting Thomas Jefferson now. The Jew and the Gentile, the Christian and the Mohammedan. Jefferson and John Adams had their own copies of the Koran. Benjamin Franklin wrote that even if the Mufti of Constantinople were to send a missionary to preach, to us he would find a pulpit at his service. So, so this is not a new thing. Generations of Muslim Americans Some time or another, 
have agonized over making a decision. Some decisions are major decisions. And also there are a lot of small decisions that we don't make. That they tax our minds, they drain our energy. They create a lot of anxiety and nervousness and mental torment because we don't take care of it. We decide not to decide, which is a decision. Deciding to decide, to act, is a major, major challenge for all of us at different points in different areas of our lives. And there are things that happen to us along the way, experiences that we have that prevent us from working through the mental block of acting, of doing those things that we know we ought to do. And so what I want you to think about is what is there that you know you need to do, that you want to do this, but for some reason or another, you've been holding back. For some reason or another, you just have not been able to gather your nerves or be able to work through the procrastinating or putting it off or justifying or blaming. Some reason or another, you just haven't done it. And you know you ought to do this. You really want to do this, but you don't know why you haven't done it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand, please. Okay, then I've got company here this evening. I'm not talking to myself. Now, first of all, we know that this is not easy. Because in order to begin to reinvent your life, you've got to make a conscious, deliberate, determined effort. That you really have got to put all of yourself into it. It's very challenging to act, to do those things. There are times when you're looking at it and you say, I, I know I need to do this, but I don't feel like it. I don't want to do it. I know I need to do it, yet leave me alone. No. I don't want to do it. So what do we do? What are those things that, that cause us to do like that? I think that among the things that prevent us from acting is the fear of failure. And if you've already failed, you don't want to fail again. The pain of that, the disappointment, the fear of loss is another thing. Because many times when we do those things that we know we need to do, we feel that we might lose somebody that we love very much and care about. We don't want to hurt anybody. Many of us don't act because we want other people's approval. We want everybody to like us and to accept us. And that's not possible. Many of us don't do the things that we want to do and don't act because of lack of self-confidence. We don't believe enough in ourselves. And so there are many reasons why we don't act. There are other things though that affect us is that not wanting to take personal responsibility. We want somebody else to do it. And we, many times, we pick up our inability to do certain things from people that we love, people that we admire. We identify with them, and we live in the context of their ideas, their opinions, and their life patterns. We buy into it unconsciously. You want to begin to look out on your life and what you want for you. And I think that when we begin to focus in the area of what does it take for us to act, I think we can say events can inspire us to act at that particular event in his life. Circumstances 
friend of mine, he wanted to do something and, and he just did not have the motivation and the drive and the confidence within himself. But his circumstances changed overnight through an acquisition of the company that he worked for. He lost his job through the inspiration of desperation. He had to act. See, life also are things that can inspire us to act. See, we don't have the courage, and that's what it takes, courage. It takes guts to do that which you know you need to do. If you don't have the courage to act, life many times will move on you and make you act. Life will whoop your butt so bad. You will be so miserable. You will catch so much hell. You say, yes, I will do it. What do you want me to do? Take me. And so what I'm saying to you is that as you begin to look out on your life, this is challenging. This is not easy acting. So what are the things that we can begin to do to harness our will? Number one, you've got to bring it out and look at it. You've got to take the power out of it. You've got to expose it to the truth. And the truth is that it has no power over you. So write down something you want to act on, but for some reason that you've been holding back and look at it. The next thing is, ask yourself the question, is it helping you to continue to put it off? If it's an asset for you to continue to, to procrastinate, then continue to do that. But if it's a liability for you, if it's causing you some mental and some emotional challenges or perhaps a financial problem, look at that. Examine that for what it is. Next step, ask yourself, what's blocking you? What's preventing you from acting? Why don't you have the courage to handle that? Why won't you face that? What are you running away from? What kind of avoidance behavior are you engaged in? Next is, what is the worst thing that can happen when you take action? So I want you to visualize that, experience that, feel the nervousness and the discomfort. And the more you run it in your mind, the less power that it will have. Next is, how will you feel after taking this action? You ask the question, what are you going to do? Look at, as you think about this that you know you need to handle, what are you going to do? And then write down three strong reasons on why you know you must take action. And be explicit and descriptive in your reasons because your reasons have power. Your reasons will drive you. When you have doubt, when your faith becomes weak, your reasons will fortify your faith. When you have an inner conversation, say, no, don't do that. Your reasons will become your rod and your staff to comfort you, to take you through those challenging moments. So write down your reasons. And what you will find, that when you decide to act, when you decide to take life on, and let me warn you, it can be painful, it will be uncomfortable, and that's where the growth is. When you're uncomfortable, when you're stretching out, when you're taking life by the collar, you're going to get thrown to the ground again and again and again. But when you have determination, and you know that what you're doing is right, it gives you your life, it gives a special meaning and power to you, you will have some power from on high. You will discover some things about yourself that will begin to electrify your personality.
you begin to discover some things about you that you don't know you've got when you put yourself in that type of challenging situation.
tuned in to the hottest radio network on the planet, the new Evolution Radio Network. The Treaty of Tripoli, Treaty of Peace and Friendship between the United States of America and the Bay and subjects of Tripoli of Barbary, was the first treaty concluded between the United States and Tripolitania, signed at Tripoli on November 4, 1796, and at Algiers, for a third-party witness, on January 3, 1797. It was submitted to the Senate by President John Adams, receiving ratification unanimously from the U.S. Senate on June 7, 1797, and signed by Adams, taking effect as the law of the land on June 10, 1797. The treaty was a routine diplomatic agreement and was later replaced. It has attracted attention in recent decades only because of a clause stating that the government of the United States of America is not, in any sense, founded on the Christian religion. For three centuries up to the time of the treaty, the Mediterranean sea lanes had been preyed on by the North African Muslim states of the Barbary Coast, Tripoli, Algiers, Morocco, and Tunis, through privateering, government-sanctioned piracy. Hostages captured by the Barbary pirates were either ransomed or forced into slavery, contributing to the greater Ottoman slave trade, of which the Barbary states were a segment. Life for the captives often was harsh, especially for Christian captives, and many died from their treatment. Some captives went Turk, that is, converted to Islam, a choice that made life in captivity easier for them. Before the American Revolution, the British colonies in North America were protected from the Barbary pirates by British warships and treaties. During the Revolution, the Kingdom of France formed an alliance with the colonies and assumed the responsibility of providing protection of U.S. ships against the Barbary pirates. After the U.S. won its independence with the signing of the Treaty of Paris, 1783, it had to face the threat of the Barbary pirates on its own. Two American ships were captured by Algerian pirates in July 1785 and the survivors forced into slavery, their ransom set at $60,000. A rumor that Benjamin Franklin, who was en route from France to Philadelphia about that time, had been captured by Barbary pirates, caused considerable upset in the U.S. Without a standing navy, much less a navy capable of projecting force across an ocean, the U.S. was forced to pay tribute monies and goods to the Barbary nations for the security of its ships and the freedom of its captured citizens. As General William Eaton informed newly appointed Secretary of State John Marshall in 1800, it is a maxim of the Barbary states, that the Christians who would be on good terms with them must fight well or pay well. Soon after the formation of the United States, Privateering in the Mediterranean Sea and Atlantic Ocean from the nations of the Barbary Coast prompted the U.S. to initiate a series of so-called peace treaties, collectively known as the Barbary Treaties. Individual treaties were negotiated with Morocco, 1786, Algiers, 1795, Tripoli, 1797, and Tunis, 1797, all of them more than once. The United States Consul General to the Barbary States of Algiers, Tripoli, and Tunis was Joel Barlow, who dealt with the text of various treaties, including the Treaty of Tripoli, and supported U.S. diplomatic efforts in the Barbary Coast. Commissioner Plenipotentiary of the United States, David Humphreys, 
was given the right to establish a treaty with Tripoli and assigned Joel Barlow and Joseph Donaldson to broker it. It was Joel Barlow who certified the signatures on the Arabic original and the English copy provided to him. Later, Captain Richard O'Brien established the original transport of the negotiated goods along with the treaty, but it was the American consul James Leander Cathcart who delivered the final requirements of payment for the treaty. President George Washington appointed his old colleague David Humphreys as Commissioner Plenipotentiary on March 30, 1795, in order to negotiate a treaty with the Barbary powers. On February 10, 1796, Humphreys appointed Joel Barlow and Joseph Donaldson as junior agents to forge a treaty of peace and friendship. Under Humphreys' authority, the treaty was signed at Tripoli on November 4, 1796, and certified at Algiers on January 3, 1797. Humphreys reviewed the treaty and approved it in Lisbon on February 10, 1797. The official treaty was in Arabic text, and a translated version by Consul General Barlow was ratified by the United States on June 10, 1797. Article 11 of the treaty was said to have not been part of the original Arabic version of the treaty, in its place is a letter from the day of Algiers to the Pasha of Tripoli. However, it is the English text which was ratified by Congress. Miller says, the Barlow translation is that which was submitted to the Senate, American State Papers, Foreign Relations, 2, 18-19, and which is printed in the statutes at large and in treaty collections generally, it is that English text which in the United States has always been deemed the text of the treaty. The treaty had spent seven months traveling from Tripoli to Algiers to Portugal and, finally, to the United States, and had been signed by officials at each stop along the way. There is no record of discussion or debate of the Treaty of Tripoli at the time that it was ratified. However, there is a statement made by President Adams on the document that reads, President Adams signing statement, Now be it known, that I John Adams, President of the United States of America, having seen and considered the said treaty do, by and with the advice and consent of the Senate, accept, ratify, and confirm the same, and every clause and article thereof. And to the end that the said treaty may be observed, and performed with good faith on the part of the United States, I have ordered the premises to be made public, and I do hereby enjoin and require all persons bearing office civil or military within the United States, and all other citizens or inhabitants thereof, faithfully to observe and fulfill the said treaty and every clause and article thereof. Official records show that after President John Adams sent the treaty to the Senate for ratification in May 1797, the entire treaty was read aloud on the Senate floor, and copies were printed for every senator. A committee considered the treaty and recommended ratification. 23 of the 32 sitting senators were present for the June 7th vote which unanimously approved the ratification recommendation. However, before anyone in the United States saw the treaty, its required payments, in the form of goods and money, had been made in part. As Barlow declared, the present writing done by our hand and delivered to the American Captain O'Brien makes known that he has delivered to us 40,000 Spanish dollars 13 watches of gold, silver and pinsbach five rings, of which three of diamonds, one of sapphire and one with a watch in it, 140 peaks of cloth, and four captains of brocade and these on account of the peace concluded with the Americans. 
however, this was an incomplete amount of goods stipulated under the treaty, according to the Pasha of Tripoli, and an additional $18,000 had to be paid by the American consul James Leander Cathcart at his arrival on April 10, 1799. It was not until these final goods were delivered that the Pasha of Tripoli recognized the treaty as official. In treaties and other international acts of the United States of America by David Hunter Miller, which is regarded as an authoritative collection of international agreements of the United States between 1776 and 1937, Hunter Miller describes, while the original ratification remained in the hands of Cathcart, it is possible that a copy thereof was delivered upon the settlement of April 10, 1799, and further possible that there was something almost in the nature of an exchange of ratifications of the treaty on or about April 10, 1799, the day of the agreed settlement. It is then that the Pasha declares in a letter to John Adams on April 15, 1799, whereby we have consummated the peace which shall, on our side, be inviolate, provided you are willing to treat us as you do other regencies, without any difference being made between us. Which is the whole of what we have, at present, to say to you, wishing you at the same time the most unlimited prosperity. Article 11 has been a point of contention in popular culture disputes on the doctrine of separation of church and state as it applies to the founding principles of the United States. Some religious spokesmen claim that despite unanimous ratification by the U.S. Senate in English the text which appears as Article 11 in the English translation does not appear in the Arabic text of the treaty. Some historians, secular and religious, have argued that the phrase specifically refers to the government and not the culture, that it only speaks of the founding and not what America became or might become, and that many founding fathers and newspapers described America as a Christian nation during the early republic. Article 11 reads. Art. 11. As the government of the United States of America is not, in any sense, founded on the Christian religion, as it has in itself no character of enmity against the laws, religion, or tranquility, of Muslim Muslims, and as the said states never entered into any war or act of hostility against any Mahometan Muslim nation, it is declared by the parties that no pretext arising from religious opinions shall ever produce an interruption of the harmony existing between the two countries. According to Frank Lambert, professor of history at Purdue University, the assurances in Article 11 were intended to allay the fears of the Muslim state by insisting that religion would not govern how the treaty was interpreted and enforced. John Adams and the Senate made clear that the pact was between two sovereign states, not between two religious powers. Lambert writes, By their actions, the Founding Fathers made clear that their primary concern was religious freedom, not the advancement of a state religion. Individuals, not the government, would define religious faith and practice in the United States. Thus the Founders ensured that in no official sense would America be a Christian republic. Ten years after the Constitutional Convention ended its work, the country assured the world that the United States was a secular state, and that its negotiations would adhere to the rule of law, not the dictates of the Christian faith. The assurances were contained in the Treaty of Tripoli of 1797 and were intended to allay the fears of the Muslim state by insisting that religion would not govern how the treaty was interpreted and enforced. 
John Adams and the Senate made clear that the pact was between two sovereign states, not between two religious powers. The treaty was printed in the Philadelphia Gazette and two New York papers, with only scant public dissent, most notably from William Cobbett. Later dissent. A prominent member of Adams' cabinet, Secretary of War James McHenry, protested the language of Article 11, before its ratification. He wrote to Secretary of the Treasury Oliver Wolcott, Jr., September 26, 1800, the Senate, my good friend, and I said so at the time, ought never to have ratified the treaty alluded to, with the declaration that the government of the United States, is not, in any sense, founded on the Christian religion. What else is it founded on? This act always appeared to me like trampling upon the cross. I do not recollect that Barlow was even reprimanded for this outrage upon the government and religion. A second treaty, the Treaty of Peace and Amity signed on July 4, 1805, superseded the 1796 treaty. The 1805 treaty did not contain the phrase not, in any sense, founded on the Christian religion. Translation and Article 11 The translation of the Treaty of Tripoli by Barlow has been questioned, and it has been disputed whether Article 11 in the English version of the treaty ratified by the U.S. Senate corresponds to anything of the same purport in the Arabic version. In 1931 Hunter Miller completed a commission by the United States government to analyze United States treaties and to explain how they function and what they mean to the United States legal position in relationship with the rest of the world. According to Hunter Miller's notes, the Barlow translation is at best a poor attempt at a paraphrase or summary of the sense of the Arabic and Article 11, does not exist at all. After comparing the United States version by Barlow with the Arabic and the Italian version, Miller continues by claiming that The Arabic text which is between Articles 10 and 12 is in form a letter, crude and flamboyant and withal quite unimportant, from the day of Algiers to the Pasha of Tripoli. How that script came to be written and to be regarded, as in the Barlow translation, as Article 11 of the treaty as they're written, is a mystery and seemingly must remain so. Nothing in the diplomatic correspondence of the time throws any light whatever on the point. From this, Miller concludes, a further and perhaps equal mystery is the fact that since 1797 the Barlow translation has been trustfully and universally accepted as the just equivalent of the Arabic, yet evidence of the erroneous character of the Barlow translation has been in the archives of the Department of State since perhaps 1800 or thereabouts. It is important to note, though, that as Miller said, it is to be remembered that the Barlow translation is that which was submitted to the Senate, American State Papers, Foreign Relations, 2, 18-19, and which is printed in the statutes at large and in treaty collections generally, it is that English text which in the United States has always been deemed the text of the treaty. However the Arabic and English texts differ, the Barlow translation, Article 11 included, was the text presented by the President and ratified unanimously in 1797 by the U.S. Senate following strict constitutional procedures. Barbary Wars. The treaty was broken in 1801 by the Pasha of Tripoli over President Thomas Jefferson's refusal to submit to the Pasha's demands for increased payments. Through subsequent battles, 
Tripoli eventually agreed to terms of peace with the United States. Tobias Lear negotiated a second treaty of peace and amity with the Pasha Yusuf on June 4, 1805. To the dismay of many Americans, the new settlement included a ransom of $60,000 paid for the release of prisoners from the USS Philadelphia and several U.S. merchant ships. By 1807, Algiers had gone back to taking U.S. ships and seamen hostage. Distracted by the preludes to the War of 1812, the United States was unable to respond to the provocations until 1815, with the Second Barbary War, thereby concluding the encompassing the First Barbary War and the Second Barbary War, 1800-1815. Don't even think about changing the station. You're listening to The Bottom Line with your host, Joey L. Joey. Blackout. A lot of haters said I couldn't do it, couldn't move it, as if my music wasn't part of their whole influence. Meantime, I'm trying to get money like I'm Jewish. In this life, you get two choices, win or lose it. Now I'm up to back, my whole runs be back to back. A real nigga, I'm just trying to get my grind on. Make a hundred million forever, get my shine on. The mind state of a millionaire, so let's be clear. The shot doctrine on your mind, I can smell fear. B3, that's all me, best believe. Chillin' with my best niggas down in Belize I got a button in the back, bitch, stress relief We get to work, even so jobs to Steve Nosey bitch, you can go and get the hell on I see it, you got a Donnie Brasco in your circle Be careful, cause you're close home, boys of mercy We're talking real money, I'm talking revolution Execution, Bill Gates mixed with Dewey News Translucent, blowing something exclusive Conclusion, black house money music Talking real money, I'm talking revolution Bill Gates makes me too new Translucent Blowing something exclusive Conclusion Black House Money Music 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 And rare to give it to you illustrated Beforehand sit amongst the congregation Bear witness to murder at his premeditation At their heads like Arab Segregation Separate from all the hate and current super concentration equals contemplate Ultimate ways to get what it is you take in Put a stake in, monopolize the situation Organization with a franchise in every nation On the bond from just the money elevation So catch me in the stars, what's the constellation? We're talking real money, I'm talking revolution Execution, Bill Gates mixing to a new Translucent, blowing something exclusive Conclusion, black house money music Talking real money, I'm talking revolution Execution, Bill Gates mixing to a new Translucent, blowing something exclusive Conclusion, black house money music We like mobsters Sitting at the round table. table. B3, be the team, we got our own label. Fish. The whole team strong like we lived in barbells. We a corporation and a cartel. Yeah. I can't see my zenith. I'm far from my prime. I ain't looking at the blimp, but the world's mine. World's KC's finest, New York state of mind. Rap kingpin when it comes to the rhymes. A strike of my pen is a twirl of a wand. Nah, zero flow, click firm full of dawn. I call shots like I'm Escobar. We step out, they need shades just to see who we are. 
We the black rising stars that give you revolutionary black panther bars. Listen, the nuisance, the problem that no one can solve. I exert powers in 48 laws. We're talking real money. I'm talking revolution. Execution. Bill Gates fixing to a new translucent. Blowing something exclusive. Conclusion. Black house money music. Talking real money. I'm talking revolution. Execution. Bill Gates fixing to a new translucent. Blowing something exclusive. Conclusion. Visit MakeMoreCommerce.com for more remedies with Joey L, where remedy meets preparation. And I know a lot of people misunderstood it, so I want you to be able to say it. Um, I think it was Details Magazine. You talked about, you used the word God, and that's what messed everybody up. But you said you, something to the effect you were a self-made God. Explain it. Um, I made up my mind to make a change in my life when I was 16 years old. Mm-hmm. We are all gods on this planet, every man and every woman. We create life. We can take life. We control what goes into the sea, whether the fish can live or not. We decide if the trees can grow tall. We decide if the children will eat. We are very powerful beings on the planet Earth. And when I said a self-made God, I meant just what I said. Barry White changed his life. Mm-hmm. So you're right. Yeah. And people criticize the statement? No, not to my knowledge. First yeah. time I'm hearing about it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, people tend to play down our power. Mm-hmm. Well, don't worry about it. This next guy do it unless there's God above to do it. There's a lot of things that has to change on this planet Earth that only we can change. And until we embrace the fact that we are as powerful uh, as we are as beings, we're going to continue to make the mistakes and allow the mistakes to be made from our children to our adults to our elderly to whatever situation you want to talk about. Okay, we, we got to run to a quick commercial, and they're going to do a cut from the album, and we're waiting for an Isaac Hayes album soon. You sure can invite him. Right. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. <laughs> Peace to the gods right here on the New Evolution Radio Network. I'm your host, Joy Bounce Obeyali. Today is Sunday. You want to call in or holler at me? Call the number 347-989-0194. So you press the number one to get yourself in the call line. All right. Gonna make more commerce.com if you need to holler at me. Um, we're going to go in tonight We're going to talk a little bit tonight about this Passport deal with immunity um, We're going to 
Y'all know how I do. Get into a little case law tonight. And um, we're going to see where it leads us, all right? So, a um, couple quick announcements. Uh, we got a uh, seminar coming up St. Louis on the 23rd of October. Hope to see you there. Come on out. All right. Come get some new knowledge. Um, and I have some new products up uh, here within the next week um, for y'all to be able to explore and help you with your remedies. All right. Um, so with that being said, we're going to jump into it tonight. I want to talk about the idea of passports. Right. It seemed to be a big deal. Passports, immunity, um, the new COVID passports, right? The vaccine passports, things of that nature. So we're going to talk about that tonight. I'm going to give you all some information you can use, and hopefully you have secured your ingress and regress, right? Because it's all about securing your rights, right? Not just talking about them, right? I'll give me just a moment here. Get the board here pulled up. All right. So, as we get into this tonight, we're going to talk about these passports, right? And anytime you're using the passport, um, you know, it's funny because, right, there was a time when nobody ever used passports. You didn't have to have a passport pass, right? But we also are talking about a time where most people were operating on ships, right? And so, the ship was the vessel. And so, because the ship was the vessel, um, you didn't need a passport, right, to represent the vessel, right? Um, and, and you know, people would pull into port. When they put into port, um, they essentially would have what they needed just by pulling into the port. Now, the term vessel is a, it's a Navy term, okay? And it, it is it's a term that deals with ships, right? So, a ship is a a large watercraft and it, it travels the ocean from shining sea to shining sea. Okay. Um, and it, it carries goods, it carries passengers, sometimes it carries slaves, sometimes it carries cargo, right? Um, well, actually, most times it's carrying cargo, right? But it does all of this in support of specialized missions, right? Missions that deal with research, fishing, um, government stuff, right? I can go look up there was an interesting mission where they were dealing with um, they were dealing even with the concept of time travel ships right and one in and out of different um, different realities if you will when it comes to to docking at ports and things like that um, I'll, I'll try to post that for y'all in the chat so y'all can check that out but ships are generally distinguished from boats right based on the size the shape capacity, what its purpose is, right? So when we talk about passports, we have to understand that passports deal with trade, they deal with colonization, they deal with warfare sometimes. Sometimes they deal with imperialism. Okay? All of these different things come up when we're talking about passport, right? Um, and then there's different types of passports as well. So we're gonna explore this topic and you know hopefully this doesn't go over some people's heads tonight. We're able to really to get into this, all right? Um, I'm going to give y'all a few laws, right? Because understand that there's different types 
of nationals, right? And, and when we talk about passports, right, different people are entitled to different types of passports because the passport is your identity. It, it is actually what shows the original nationality, right? So if you're from Nevada, you would be um, a national of that state. If you were from California, from Ohio, Missouri, Kansas, New York, Jersey, wherever you're from, right, that deals with the nationality as it stands. So that would be what you are essentially, um, your your first priority would be to your state. So understand that the passport certifies your identity, and then it certifies what your nationality is. That's why, if you ever notice, you'll see Moors with passports. They may have the, their Moorish name on there, but it always says what state they were born in, right? So standard passports normally contain the full name, a photograph of you, where you was born at, um, the, the the signature of the bearer, right? And whenever I talk about the word bearer, when you see that, right, you you also see that on the check, right? So understand that that's a in a, in a sense, in a form, that's a, a blank check, right? Because, you know, we talk about bearer, standard bearer, bearer on demand, um, who's the bearer, right? A flag bearer, right? Um, and it also asks you if you are a civilian, right? So are you in the service? So bearers, you know, when we talk about a flag bearer, so when you when you actually hold a passport, they consider you to be a flag bearer, right? Under the standard of what they call regulation of colors, the military term, right? When they're dealing with the regulation of colors, so either type of flag, whether it's uh, immovable, mobile, inflexible, all this is generally honored on your passport. Right? So. Understand that they're giving you a sense of dual nationality, right? And the reason why a lot of this is done too is so that you can understand that if you come out the system without going back in as at least having a nationality, you become what they call stateless. We've talked about that before. Okay, just a second, y'all. I'm gonna pull up a couple things here for y'all. All right. Now, when we talk about being stateless, right, and we, we've went over this before, stateless means that you don't have a nationality, you're not considered a national by any sense of the word. Um, stateless just makes you a subject, makes you a subject citizen, right? So we have to get rid of that whole idea of being stateless and go into some form of nationality, right? And this is why it's very important to still deal with nationality on that level, all right? Um I'm going to give you guys some some information here. All right, now the passport is an instrument, right? And we, we've, if you if you know anything about the whole um, secure party movement and all that stuff, when you know, and I don't, that's that's not what this is. But if you deal with that movement, one of the things that you learn um, that's really not taught correctly is about instruments, right? How everything is considered an instrument, some type of legal instrument. So. A bearer instrument is a document, right? And it entitles the holder of that document to the ownership or the title to the property, right? Such as the shares or the bonds. It's some type of stock. The passport is really a stock, okay? So unlike normal registered instruments, right? No record is generally kept of who owns the bearer's instrument, 
this is why when you get a passport, you have to sign the passport, right? Right off the bat, they want you to sign it. Okay. Um, it also deals with transactions that move, right, and transfer of ownership. So when you're dealing with the bearer instrument, you're dealing with ownership. You're dealing with who owns the passport, who is the owner of the name in the passport, which enables the owner as well as the purchaser to deal with property, right, it's anonymous or not. Okay. So whoever physically holds the bearer document is assumed to be the owner of the property and the rights that arise from it, such as the dividends. So believe it or not, there are dividends that are associated with the passport if you know how to get to them. Okay. Now, passport owners is generally entitled to have ingress and regress into the country, come and go as they please. Um, and as you know, most of these passports now have microchips on them, right, which are little small electronic circuits, right, that have a small flat piece of, they call it semiconductorial, which is usually silicon, right, and it has, um, has large numbers of what they call MOSFETs, which are integrated into the microchip itself, right, and these are, um, these are what they call metal, metal oxide silicon. And it's, it's a type of uh, transistor that they put into these passports, right? So a lot of the, and this is funny, right? Because a lot of the, the chips that they make, um, you know, they're so small, they're like about the size of your fingernail. That's how small they are, right? So these things actually, if you if you look at what's called Moore's Law, believe it or not, it's called Moore's Law. Um, it deals with the computer chips, right? And how computer chips are used. So Moore's law is basically the observation that the number of transistors uh, in a dense integrated circuit double every two years. So Moore's law is an observation and a projection of a historical trend, if you will, right? Rather than physics. So it's basically the relationship. Right, um, that's linked to the gains from experience to production. So, you know, and, and so in another words, right, to say that um, they've integrated you with some form of power, right, um, when you have a passport. That's that's basically what it is. So a lot of these countries, right, they they now are making the passports with this chip in it. It's a biometric chip. It has all of the information in it, <laughs> and that's how they deal with it. So. Whether you're a diplomat, whether you're a foreign official, whether you're a citizen, whether you're a national, you get a passport, right? And passport is immunity from arrest or prosecution in most cases if you have what they call diplomatic immunity. And that's the legal immunity that basically ensures uh, federal civil servants, okay, what they call the foreign service, are given a safe passage, okay? So understand that when you get a passport, it's being given to you by the federal government okay, for safe passage. And the federal government gives you that full faith and credit to be able to come and go as you please. That's the whole point of it. All right. Um, you know, we, if we go into the history of of diplomatic immunity and passports, right, you can go all the way back to, to ancient India right, with the Hindu messengers basically and their messengers were given immunity from capital punishment okay very very important so in the united states you look up uh, 22 usc 254 um it was the the it was what is it, the diplomatic relations act 
of 1978. Um, and it deals with principles under the Vienna Convention. It basically says that the United States tends to be generous when it grants diplomatic immunity to diplomats because of a large number of diplomats um, who are in other countries, right? So it's it's actually what they call the law of reciprocity, right? the law of kin. Right. So we talk about Title 22 of the U.S. Code. It, it deals with a lot of different stuff, but it would be a good title for y'all to go into. Um, but specifically 254A, right? Um, and it basically says that the head of a mission and those members of a mission who who are members of the diplomatic staff or who pursuant to law are granted equivalent privileges and immunities, members of the administrative or technical staff of a mission, and members of the service staff or admissions, right? Um, and so you can even think of, right, the term family, right, the member of a family or members of a mission, right? So this even goes to your family. So understand that not only are you protected, but your family becomes protected under the passport, if you will, right? Um, and this is another reason why it's a good practice to, when you do your injunction, even put your family in there, right? That comes in handy as well. When we talk about on a federal level, right, with, um, you can do the super injunction, regular injunction, any of those type of things, all right? All right, so let's just get into it tonight. I got some information I wanted to bring up here. Um, we're going to look at, going to pull Supreme Court case, right? Um, this case was done do, 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 actually it was filed in 2018, alright? a pretty long case, right? We'll, we'll just, we'll go through a good portion of it so you guys can understand it. Um, but the case basically was where um, they sued the consulate of Nigeria for breach of contract, right? After they allegedly failed to provide um a lady and her son with a passport, um, which she said was paid. So the district court dismissed the case, basically. They, they dismissed the claims for lack of jurisdiction under the Foreign Service Sovereign Immunities Act, 28 U.S.C. 1602 through 1611. They said that Nigeria's immunity under this act deprived the court's subject matter jurisdiction. So the suit was short-lived in the district court, right? So in the lady's complaint, she alleged that in 2016, she paid $500 to the Nigerian consulate for her passports for her and her son, right? So they provided fingerprints, photographs, envelopes, all of that stuff with a passport. So then when they didn't receive the passport, she sued the consulate for a breach of contract. So then the district court dismissed the suit for two reasons. First, failed to effectuate proper service under 28 U.S.C. 1608A. And second, Nigeria is immune from the jurisdiction of the court of the United States, and no exception to that immunity under 1605 applies. So, so this is actually where the concept of your trust comes in play, right? So because there's no required sequencing among different non-merit grounds for dismissal, um, the first, you know, first decision of the court, right, was to look at subject matter jurisdiction. So this suit against the consulate. Is an action against what they call a foreign state. Now, you know, a foreign state can be can be your state, it can be another country, which, in effectuation, is a state. Okay, it can be a trust. 
Okay, it could be a lot of different things. Um, so if you look under 28 U.S. Code 1603, um, foreign state includes a political subdivision. Okay, so understand that trusts are also known as political subdivision as well. So an agency or an instrumentality of a foreign state means an entity, which is a separate legal person, corporate or otherwise, and uh, which is an organ of a foreign state or a political subdivision, or a majority of those who who share ownership interest um, in the foreign state or the political subdivision, right? So, um, which is sometimes it's neither citizen of the state of the United States, anything else. You can simply be a tribal member for that aspect, right? So the United States included all the territories and the waters, continental, um, insular, and all of that, which were subject to the jurisdiction of the United States. And then you have what they call extraterritorial uh, jurisdiction. Okay. And when we talk about extraterritorial jurisdiction, even in that aspect, right? Um, or extra, ter- ter- extra, excuse me, extraterritoriality and in international law. This is where the state is exempt from the jurisdiction of local law, usually as a result of some type of diplomatic negotiation. So you can look at your treaties as being um, your diplomatic negotiations, right? That's a high form of um, diplomatic negotiation. So historically, the, the, the primary reason for this type of jurisdiction was for it to apply to individuals, right? So the jurisdiction basically was claimed on people rather than the land, right? And, you know, they say that um, people tend to, doing international waters. So extraterritoriality can be applied to physical spaces such as embassies, military bases, uh, foreign countries, offices of the UN. Right? But the three most common cases that are recognized today when we, talk, when we, when we deal with, we talk about international relations to people and where they belong to and um, who they belong to, right? It deals with the heads of states. So the person in the, the belongings of the ambassadors, diplomats, and the ships of international waters. So um, when you're out here riding around, right, let's say that you're riding around in your in your car, right, you got your own tag on your car, or you're riding around in your car, and your car has, um, you know, your, your car is not tagged up, right? then you essentially are in what they call extraterritoriality. So you ride around in your own jurisdiction in a sense, especially if that car is in trust, right? So in the past, when we talk about pre-modern states, right, they generally claim sovereignty over persons, creating something known as personal jurisdiction. So as people move from one border to the next border, they ask themselves, well, what's to stop another state from taking jurisdiction over you? Well, generally, that comes in play when we're talking about the aspect of the passport, okay? So it gives you your ingress and and your regress from one state to another state, okay? This is your your territorial jurisdiction, right? So to certain people that belong under certain laws of certain countries, right, um, they're either subject to that state or a foreign state, right? So... In this particular case with this lady, right, the federal court stepped in. The federal court basically said, hey, look, uh, we got subject matter jurisdiction over the claims against the foreign state, but only 
if the foreign state is not entitled to immunity under the Foreign Sovereign Immunities Act, which we've dealt with this before, right? This is under 28 U.S. Code uh, 1605 through 1607. So they either deal with it on that end or they deal with it on the end of having – it's so you have sovereign immunity, right, on one side of it, but then on the other side – what we're talking about is an international agreement. And then you can find this as well when the court talks about international agreements. This is under, uh, let me give it to you, 28 U.S.C. 1330A. All right, and I'll pull it up here. Just a second. All right, so under 1330A, this deals with actions against foreign states. It says the district court, and that's what we talked about Friday, so the district court should have original jurisdiction without regard to the amount of controversy of any non-jury civil action against a foreign state as defined in 1603 of this title. As to any claim for relief in personam, that's personam jurisdiction, with respect to which the foreign state is not entitled to any immunity under section 1605 through 1607 of the title or any other applicable international agreement. So personal jurisdiction over a foreign state should exist as to every claim for relief over which the uh, the district courts have jurisdiction, right, where service has been made under 1608, so service of process. So understand that um, foreign state, you you consider the foreign state as, as a national. And then when they step in and they're fr- infringing on your right as a national, there's laws for that too and all pull that up and show y'all that as well okay so what we're talking about with this passport thing is extraterritorial jurisdiction okay so basically um, this lady she sued because she didn't get her passports right so because she didn't get her passports um the whole issue of sovereign immunity came up right so then the court says the act in turn dictates that foreign state shall be immune from jurisdiction of the court of the united states except as provided in the act itself or by international agreements, 28 U.S.C. 1604, right? So then Lady pointed out that no international agreement, so to the consulate, is immune unless an exception within the act applies. So when she did an appeal, her appeal basically develops arguments that two exceptions apply, but neither does, right? That's what the court said to her. So um, she first invokes the exception for acts what they call quote based upon the commercial activity so that's moving in 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 the in the maritime aspect right moving in the waters so, and that's under 28 usc 1605 a2 but that exception does not apply to the issuance of a passport so if you're not so okay let me put it like this if you're not doing commercial activity right they have to give you a passport on a personal level so a foreign state is immune from federal jurisdiction for its sovereign or public acts, but not its acts that are private or commercial in a charter. Okay? So then the lady argued that the consulate's actions were commercial because it was making a profit from fraudulent activity. So there's that. So then the motivation, right, was said basically to be determining whether the activity is a sovereign activity or is it a commercial activity. Right, so let's let's pull that up. All right, so 
when we talk about commercial activity, commercial activity is an activity which is intended for exchange in the market to earn economic profit. So, for example, commercial banking refers to banking activities that focus on business. You have commercial trading, okay, which deals with your markets. You got commercial sale, okay, which, which basically deals with large institutions and entities that are uh, incumbent participants in a, in a certain marketplace, right, um, for a commercial scale of events. Okay, and you had commercial versus non-commercial activity. So non-commercial trading activity, on the other hand, relates to um, some type of position where the traders are looking to make profits for a short-term price variation. So understand that when you get in the passport, you are dealing in commerce, right? And it actually keeps you from being um, captured abroad as as someone's slave, okay? Or someone's slave or even more so um, some type of cargo, right? I mean, this is... This is how deep this stuff goes with the passport, right? So the lady brought this up and wanted to know, hey, um, you know, what's the difference here, you know, in terms of me not getting my passport because we're not doing commercial activity. So the court stepped in. The court says, look, only the whether a private person could have engaged in similar conduct. So they're looking at the conduct again. So private parties cannot issue national passports. So the consulate was engaged in sovereign activity by issuing some type of national passport. Okay. So then the lady invoked the exception for foreign states under the Tort Act, right, 28 U.S.C. 1605A5. But the exception does not apply to contract claims. So a foreign state may be sued under the exception for personal injury, wrongful death, or property damage, okay, that occurs in the United States caused by a torturous act or omission of that foreign state, okay? But the act excludes from torturous acts conduct that's based on interference with contract rights, okay? So playing with the contract, right? And remember, they can't step into contract because that's in the Constitution, right? You have the, the right to contract, unlimited, that's what they say. Okay, so when we talk about a civil wrong, right, the Black Ball Dictionary, 10th edition, it deals with tort, right, finds tort as a civil wrong other than a breach of contract for which a remedy may be obtained, okay, and that's where your um, your equity courts come into play. We're talking about suing for some type of remedy, right? So the suit falls within the exclusion because the lady accused the consulate only of breach of contract. She didn't go as far as dealing with the equity in the aspect of it. So if you ever get denied a passport, it's, it becomes an equity issue in the district court, okay? Um, so 1605A5B shields the consulate from jurisdiction of federal courts. Okay? So your consulate is even exempt, okay? And, and then if the consulate does not give you a passport for reasons that um, don't appear to be inequitable, then they don't have to be brought to court, okay? So the exception does not apply for another reason. So the act preserves immunity for tort acts. This is based on discretionary functions, okay? So then the lady goes on to say that, um, you know, basically that, that her immunity applied. The court came back and says that she didn't meet the burden to show that immunity didn't apply. Okay, so 
to decide whether conduct is discretionary under the act, the court uses the name, excuse me, the same principles as uh, used under the Federal Tort Claims Act, 28 U.S.C. 2680A. Okay, you can find this in uh, it's in the case Risk versus Halverson. So an act in discretionary discretionary if it involves an element or a judgment of choice. A decision involves consideration of public policy, all right, if it deals with choice. So the lady makes no assertion that Nigeria had to issue a passport, neither did the United States, or that it was mandatory or free from policy considerations, okay? So I mean, they, they, they really got with her on that, right? So when we're talking about this passport thing, understand that and this is a long case, right? So I'll, I'll read a few different parts to it. Well, understand that when you have the passport, right, it's an international document, right? It's a standard. There's a standard of treatment that comes with it. Okay. Um, I'm going to give you all something here. All right. And we deal with bodies corporate. And understand that the United States is a bodies corporate or bodies politic. I'm going to... Let me give y'all a working definition here. All right. So, bodies corporate, all right, in English, is an organization or a company that the government is considered to have um, its own legal rights. So, understand that one of the things about bodies corporate is that the United States is a bodies corporate. And even an LLC can be considered a body's corporate. They actually consider the LLC to have the same nationality as the person who started it or of the trust that it belongs to. Okay? So if it applies to LLCs, then you know it's got to apply to unincorporated, C-corps, S-corps, um, and even trust. Right? So when we talk about body's corporate, right, the right of diplomatic protection extends also to limited companies which are incorporated or registered in the envoy's home state, although operating in a foreign country. Okay? And this deals with your passport. So as a corporation is an entity, it possesses uh, a, what they call a, a juristic personality in the eye of a municipal law of the state. So international law recognizes that it possesses for certain purposes a nationality. So nationality, right, um, in that particular case is such that it's of that country in whose territory it resides. So under whose law it has been created and by which it is governed. So the relationship between the corporation and the state suffices in international relations just to justify the home state in treating the entity for several purposes as though it were um, a national, just like any other natural person. This is the reason why it's so important to actually set up your trust and do it the right way. So the actual passport itself um, is the international document for protection that determines who you are. So the World Court held that as under the Hungarian law, the university was a jurisdictional person. His status as a Hungarian national was unquestionable. Okay, so even having a school, right, operating in the form of a ministry, right? So they, so then you get protection by one state against another state, um, 
you know, when it comes when it comes right down to it, right? So you can move from state to state. That's the whole point of having a passport. So you don't have to go to one state and have to be worried about your safety. Right? So when we deal with dual nationality, the state which is entitled to give protection to, to a dual or multiple national, right? Um, as regards to the first question is the view of whose passport the person carries is the only state which can give him protection. While the other view is that the state of which he is an active national is alone uh, competent enough to afford him a diplomatic protection. Okay, so until recently, the whole position was that um, the state, other than whose nationality the the national possessed originally, was concerned, right, could be called what they call third states. So basically, the claims could be preferred against them by each of the states whose nationality the dual national has. So it's very likely that each of these particular states could justifiably claim the right of protection over him or her in the territory of a third state. Okay. So there's different states that you could go to here in this landmass where you could get protection where another state wouldn't give you protection just as a more, but they'd all have to give you protection as a more um, under the supremacy clause. So conversely, right, the third state would treat an individual with two or more nationalities as a subject of any of the states to which he owed allegiance. So as long as a genuine link between a claimant state and the individual existed, so the opposite party could not contest the right of the claimant state to grant diplomatic protection to its citizens on the ground that the individual concerned possessed the nationality of another state and carried a passport. Okay. So I understand that carrying the passport is very, very vital. So then you have to ask yourself, well, how how do you prove that this person has nationality? Or how do you prove that there is sovereign immunity for this type of person? So normally it's not very difficult for an envoy or a consul to ascertain whether a person who sought his protection as a national of his home state or not, because in most cases the person will be in possession of a passport. And the passport generally indicates that the national status of the holder this can be at least regarded as what they call prima facie proof of nationality, though there may be some doubt as to whether this is conclusive proof. So in cases of persons who are ordinarily a resident in a receiving state, it will be found that they normally register with the embassy or the consulate, and then there will hardly be any difficulty in determining their national status. This is the reason why you got to go to the Department of State to get a passport. Okay. So, however, okay, there are some cases where the problem is not that simple. So, um, this happens when a person who's been aggrieved for some reason, right, is neither in possession of a passport nor is registered with a diplomatic mission. So, this is usually uh, where a person who had left his home a long time ago, aka a refugee, in search of a trade or occupation, and then they found it, um, you know, where they had to identify themselves completely with the receiving state. Right, that basically, um, or or their home state, if you will, right, basically that because they were envoy, right, until there was some type of revolution that would occur, um, they were obliged to to give him or her some type of protection based on the state he was in, right. So unless you came forth and got a passport, wherever you ended up as refugee, they were supposed to give you protection. Okay, so you look at Tibet, China, other places like this. Southeast Asia, East Africa, right? These are newly independent countries, right? 
Um, and so they, they actually have problems in some of these countries when it comes down to passports. You got to think about it, they got billions of people in some of these countries, like China, right? So in all of these cases, it's necessary to determine the nationality of the claimant by applying the test under the municipal envoy's home state. Okay, so your home state, what they call it, the home rule. And let me give you all that because I've used that. I actually used the home rule in court before myself. Okay, so the home rule is a government or colony-dependent country or region by uh, by its own citizens. It is thus the power of the constituent of a state to exercise such of the state's powers or governance within its own administrative area that have been decentralized. So, for instance, if you get a traffic ticket in Virginia, but you stay in Kentucky, then the law, or excuse me, if you get a traffic ticket from Virginia, but you're from Kentucky and you carry, let's say, a Kentucky passport or a Kentucky driver's license, right, then what happens is, is the laws of that particular state apply to you versus the ones in the state that you have the ticket in. So when you go to court, you just have to bring it up, right? Then it becomes becomes somewhat of a remedy for you. Even if you didn't ever apply for the passport as a national, you still get the home state rule advantage, okay? So the position of a non-national holding a passport of the sending state, so somebody who ain't a national, right, is though the normal rule of international law is that diplomatic protection can be afforded by a state only to its nationals. It's been suggested that a state can extend its protection to a person who carries a passport issued by the state, even though it may transpire that the person is not a national of the state which issued him the passport. So passports which serve as a document of identity and national status usually contain a request in the name of the head of the state, right? The issuing of a passport to all persons can be concerned to afford the holder every assistance and protection of which he or she may stand in need. So you never run out of aid. You always got some aid in that state. So passports are, are normally granted by states only to their own nationals. So this is why when you get a passport from the Department of State, they normally give it to you um, either based on the state where you live currently or the state where you were born or the state where you show the most allegiance. So passports are normally granted by states only to their own nationals. Okay, important to understand. So the passport is either issued by reason of genuine mistake about the nationality of that person or by some type of fraud, um, if for any other reason it was issued, right? So the state can decide to grant a passport to a stateless person out of humanitarian consideration. So they may give you a passport just because they feel bad for you and they know you're a refugee. Like, we got to help this dude out or this female out, whatever. So the question is whether the diplomatic agent or consular officer can give protection to that person by reason of him or her holding the passport, okay, in the home state. So the matter basically is, is, is really not free from, from any doubt because the view is that um, as long as the passport remains valid, person who holds the passport can legitimately be given protection having regard to the request contained in the passport itself regarding assistance and protection being rendered to him in the name of the head of the state. This is why you do explanatory statements when you do a passport. Okay. So um, talk about England, right? The House of Lords in England, they held in the case of uh, case of William Joyce versus the director of uh, public um, they said that 
British subject, basically, who obtained the passport by suppression of the facts, could nonetheless obtain British protection while abroad on the basis of his British passport. So if you got your shit um, and you didn't give all the facts, you don't get all the protections. Right? That's another reason why it's important to always be straight up and um, honest about who you are when you're going for your passport because they know everything about you anyways. Right? They ain't, they don't play around. I told you, they go back, check out your mama's mama's mama, right? And her mama's mama. They know everything about you on every level, okay? So an important point here is to keep in mind, right, that um, sometimes it's possible for one and the same person to be claimed as a national by two or more states because the person can qualify for citizenship in more than one country, okay? So you actually, when you have a trust set up, your, your trust retains the nationality as well, okay? But your trust cannot, your trust can issue you a passport, but it doesn't mean it's going to work on international waters, okay? Because the whole idea of, of commerce and sovereign immunity, that, that actually comes in play, okay? All right, so um, going back to this case, right? And, you know, looking at it in terms of, lady was actually trying to sue for, which was her passports, the consulate actually stepped in and they moved to dismiss her case. They argued that the court lacked personal jurisdiction over the case, and they argued that they also lacked subject matter jurisdiction, okay, to even hear the case. So for the purposes of deciding the, the motion, the court um, accepted everything is, as a fact. That's true. That's normally what they do. They accept everything as being true. And then they go through and break your shit down, and they either prove that it is true or that it's not true. And that's, that's pretty much how, how these courts work, okay? So, especially in the district courts. So, they, they basically say that the consulate employees travel to place to place, right, to process passport applications. Um, and normally when they do this, right, the employees, they take the fingerprints and they take the photos of the passports, right? So, they said that this lady gave the employees two stamps self-addressed envelopes for mailing the passport back, okay, and then repeatedly attempted to contact the consulate to find out the status of her passports had been received, but she didn't get no response. So because the passports um, had not yet been received, right, they bought the lawsuit for breach of contract and civil theft, so she she was getting upset. She was like, well, they ain't getting my passport, so I'm just going to sue So the consulate then filed a motion to dismiss the whole thing for lack of such subject matter jurisdiction and personal jurisdiction, Okay, and what they call uh, form non-convenience. Okay, so the motion to dismiss was was the 12B. They they think they did a 12B1 on her, right? Not a six, because normally if they do a six, they say, well, she didn't have any. Um, 12B6 is saying that um, none of her evidence, right, basically made any sense, right? But they did it under 12B1. So if there are no factual disputes then the court can accept the allegations in the complaint as true. And then this draws some reasonable um, inferences into whether or not her story is true or false. Okay. So we're dealing with service of process, and they, they, they brought that whole idea of service of process in this type of case. It's actually a really, really good case, so if y'all get a chance, I'll, I'll, put, this, um, I'll put this in the chat. 
Y'all want to check this out, right? Very good case. But the consulate was basically engaged in what they call paradigmatic sovereign acts. So the processing of applications for passports. So private parties cannot issue passports. Okay? And to be sure, uh, Brief insinuates that um, the consulate had profit a motive for processing the passport application, but the motive for issuing or not issuing the passport is irrelevant under 1605A2. Okay? The Supreme Court had the converse situation and said that the foreign state's motive for engaging in a commercial activity could not transform the commercial activity into a sovereign act. So in the case um, in Argentina, right, it issued bonds to raise funds just as private companies would. Okay. And, and I told you the passport ain't nothing but a bond anyways. So the Supreme Court deemed it irrelevant that Argentina sold the bonds in order to stabilize the bond market. So your passport is a bond. <laughs> your, your birth certificate is a bond. Like they ripped your shit apart and they're doing it because they're stabilizing the market. I know somebody that it happened to. They, they took his birth certificate apart, right? Cashed in his security. They used his energy to stabilize the market so the reverse is true so even if the consulate has a profit motive for processing the passport application the act itself remains a sovereign act of regulation as opposed to the type of activity that a private party could conduct so the commercial activity exception does not apply okay that's why it's really important um when you're doing your passport to explain what type of activity you're going to be doing when you are traveling Right. In fact, um, in my call, I actually still have a recorded call. That's one of the first things that they asked me. They wanted to know where I was traveling to when I, when I talked to them on the phone and why I was traveling there. And when they found that out, they immediately issued the passport to me. Right. And then they agreed with everything that I was telling them. Right. So understand that the first torturous activity exception, right? It doesn't apply. So, among other things, suits that arise out of the performance or failure to perform what they call a discretionary function, regardless as to whether the discretion can be abused under 28 U.S.C. 1605 A5A, is because the provision of what they call the, the FISA, FSIA, is modeled on a similar exception to jurisdiction under the Federal Tort Claims Act. Okay? So, yeah, I'm saying all this shit deals with tort. It all deals with equity. Giving you a passport is an equitable situation. They don't give you one because you got child support, something like that. It's, a, it's an equity issue. You start dealing with equity. All right? All right. So, um, when we talk about, you know, your rights and the rights of foreign nationals and all that, um, I understand that there are certain rights that they can't step on, right? So as already observed, states have an absolute discretion under international law to admit or not to admit what they call an alien into its territory. And then to consequently, um, you know, say that there's no legal duty on any state to receive or allow entry to a foreign national on its territory, right? Now, here's the issue. The issue comes in play that all of the states are under the 14th Amendment, so the states have to allow you to come and go as you please because they all came under federal management, right? So it follows that even if the state, even if the state allows entry to a foreigner, it may do so on such conditions as it deems um, necessary, right? So 
basically it's the right of the state, which flows from territorial sovereignty, not extraterritorial, but territorial sovereignty, right, which has been recognized by jurists and writers as well, and the decisions on municipal courts, um, deals with state practice and the provisions of treaties and conventions. Okay, so the treaties come in play. When we're talking about treaties, um, right, talking about supreme laws of the land. Okay? Now, um, <clears throat> it's well known, right, to, with, with a lot of con- what they call continental jurists, that a sovereign may prohibit entrance into its territory, either to all foreigners in general or to certain persons, or in certain cases for certain purposes as the welfare of the state may require. Okay? So according to Hackworth, whoever that is, right, um, in the absence of treaty obligations, the state is under no duty to admit aliens into its territory. And if it does admit them, it may do so on such terms and conditions as it deems by uh, as it deems to be constant with its national interest. So is it in the interest of the state to let you in? It's really, really important, right? Because states, states still have sovereign immunity to a certain extent. This is why they give their judges immunity. Right? So the whole state practice, especially in the, in the United Kingdom and in the United States of America, okay, and in several other states, is the right to admit, the right to exclude, the right to deport your ass, to look at you as an alien. Okay? All that has been regarded as an incident and uh, of uh, what they call territorial sovereignty. So in Britain, the whole practice indicates that apart from treaty obligations to the contrary, a state has the right to exclude aliens or particular categories of foreigners, especially if it considers their presence opposed to its peace, okay? orders in good government, okay? or social and material interests. So are you, are you peaceful? It's one of the things they want to know. Is your ass peaceful? Are you peaceful or are you not peaceful? Right? And if you're peaceful, then you can come on in. If you're not, then we got to deny you and we got to look at you like an alien. How they do that, right? So the view um, in Canada is that the power of the prohibiting aliens rests with every country and that it's open to parliament of every country to prescribe the conditions upon which an alien may enter or be permitted to retain um, their particular status and then remain in the country. So in the United States of America, these questions are governed by the provisions of municipal laws, right? So the opinions basically by the Supreme Court is that it's an accepted maxim of international law that every sovereign nation as inherent in sovereignty and essential to self-preservation to prevent the entrance of foreigners within its dominions or to admit them, right, in such cases, and then upon conditions as it may see to, to prescribe. This is why it's important to have a passport. So you get your ingress and your regress, you can come and go as you please without a problem. All right. All right, we're going to take a quick break because I got um, some more info I want to drop on y'all. And then we'll be right back. Call lines are wide open if you want to holler at me, 347-989-0194. That's the number. We'll be right back. Keep it locked. You're tuned in to the hottest radio network on the planet, Evolution Radio.
Remedies with Joey L, where remedy meets preparation. That's a, that's a, that's a.
right, all right. We back. We back. Uh, call lines is open, 347-989-0194, all right? So we're talking about these passports, right? And I'm going to give y'all a couple more things, and then we'll hit the call lines up if you want to holler at me, right? So um, when we talk about your passport, we're talking about your personal freedom, right, and not being denied justice when justice needs to be served. So um, the more valuable rights, right, of um, an alien, right, which – for lack of better words, right, which need to be watched or protected by his home state are the rights concerning personal freedoms. And that means safeguarding these freedoms from people who want to come and take that person's freedoms, right? So they consist of of, uh, freedom from arbitrary arrest, freedom to practice his own religion, the right to have protection of the executive and police authorities of the state, Okay, the right to have free and ready access to the courts of law, right? So all of these perhaps can be added to the right to have legal assistance. And some authors, right, the people who, who write on this, this particular stuff have the view um, that freedom of speech and expression should also be protected, right? But opinions expressed on this aspect of the matter are not uniform. So really having everything that's afforded to you under the Constitution and then going to the treaty. So it's generally recognized under customary international law and the provisions of treaties and conventions that are national must be fairly treated, whether it be on the basis of traditional concepts of, uh, in the minimum standard of treatment or it be on the basis of fundamental human rights, which are acknowledged or recognized in the United Nations by the Declarations of Human Rights. And the Declaration of Human Rights for Indigenous Peoples, right? Okay. And then arbitrary arrests, you know, that, that's important. Because on whatever basis um, that one may proceed, it would be abundantly clear that to subject the person to arrest or detention without informing him of the grounds of his arrest or to do so on a flimsy charge without giving him the opportunity to defend himself would certainly offend the basic principles of natural justice. And we talked about that on Friday, right? Um, the different types of justice. Okay, So whether such arrest and detention are permissible under the law of the receiving state or whether the, the, the state treats its own nationals in the same manner, right, is really immaterial, right? So then we have to move to police power, right? So having protection of the police, because believe it or not, you know, as much as we, we want injunctions to apply, you still want protection of the police to some shit go down, right? If you by yourself. So police protection and access to the courts is important. So um the national who's subject to the local or the, the alien so much that's subject to the local laws and then the regulations during his stay, um, or his residence in the receiving state, it will follow that he should be entitled to seek the protection of those laws. And then an alien can therefore claim the right of protection to the executive and police authorities of the state and have free and ready access to the courts of law. So these are your courts of equity, right? This is what the lady was fighting about in her case when she was talking about sovereign immunity, right? So an alien or national, right? So if if the executive and police authorities in that particular state refuse to give him or her assistance, when this person or their property is attacked due to some type of mob violence or otherwise, right, the conduct of the receiving state and its official will clearly amount to a denial of justice, not giving you your justice, denying you your right to have justice in the situation. It's not okay, right? And that's where equity court comes in play. So 
similarly, if um, that person is denied access to the courts of law to safeguard his rights against actions of the executive or private persons, such conduct on the part of the state will be regarded as wrongful. This is why if you're in trust, you have to do bills and equity, right? And that, that's where the bills and equity come in play. So the procedure that follows in the court of a country and the opportunities provided for proper legal assistance have considerable bearing on the question whether or not there has been denial of justice on the part of the receiving state. So when there's what they call grossly unfair discrimination that happens, right, like uh, outright arbitrary arrest, denial of freedom of access to certain courts, denial of justice, denial of your liberty, right, to choose and then employ legal practitioners in the prosecution um, to, to, to face your accusers, right, to defend yourself, right. Um, the, 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 the courts and the tribunals are regarded by most states um, basically to be in denial of your human rights. This is why having a passport is so important because it essentially gives you your protection. So the, the diplomatic protection that you are looking for. Okay. So then we deal with freedom of religion, freedom to practice what you want to practice without being uh, harassed, right? And if you look at you can look at the, the, the Treaty of Peace and Friendship, right? Treaty of Tripoli. That was between state and state. They they actually left religion out of it, right? So um, your religion and what you believed, what your sincerely held belief was, had really nothing to do with anything. Um, it was based on the treaty relationship that was in play, okay? So the religious freedom or the practice of a religious freedom, right, was regarded as the right of religious freedom, right? It was it was the weight of state practice, and it established that a state could exercise control over the religious training and worship of inhabitants within its borders, including aliens. Then bilateral treaties have often entered into um, to enable people to practice their own religions in a foreign state, right, without having a problem so you could go from one state to another if you let's just use the united states if you were in a state that was mainly a christian state and then you go to a state where there's more muslims right you're supposed to be able to practice that right without a problem so the united states practices um what they call points to the fact right and this deals with what despite whether or not um it's a deeply held religious belief or not right they had to look at the treaties right so the interest in freedom it normally does not intervene on behalf of its nationals in foreign lands except in cases where religious persecution is considered. Okay, so if you're being religiously persecuted, right, for practicing your religion or whatever you believe in, you want to be uh, Muslim or Catholic, you want to be atheist, you want to be a genie, right, they can't step in and tell you that you can't practice your beliefs. What you believe is what you believe, right? And that's, that's actually the beauty of the country that we live in, period, right? And then the right to freedom of speech and expression, right? There, There is no uniformity of practice that regards the right of an alien to freedom of speech and expression. Okay? But some states give the same rights to an alien in the regard as to its own nationals, while others don't guarantee that right to all. So you, you might go to China, right? And, um, you know, if you live there long enough and you end up with a Chinese, you may lose the right to freedom of speech that you would have over here why you retain your passport. So it would appear that this is not a fundamental right. Okay? At all. All right, now I'm going to give y'all because this is going to be important. And this is this is probably the most important part here. Um 
going to give you 8 U.S. Code, all right, denial of rights and privileges. I'll read it to you. All right, so if any person who within the United States claims the right or privilege as a national and is denied such right or privilege by a department of independent agency or therefore um, or thereof upon the ground that he is not a national of the United States, such person may institute an action under the provisions of Section 2201 of Title 28 against the head of such department or independent agency for a judgment declaring him to be a national, except that no such action may be instituted in the case if the issue of such person's status as a national arose. Number one, by reason of or in connection with any removal proceeding under the Provisions Act, chapter, or any other act. Okay, number two, in any issue in such removal proceeding, um, an action under this subsection may be instituted only within five years after the final administrator's denial of such right of privilege, like issuing your passport, right? And shall be filed in the District Court of the United States for the district in which the person resides or claims residence and the, the jurisdiction over officials in such cases, okay? So if any person who is not within the United States claims a right or a privilege as a national and is denied that right or privilege by the department or independent agency or official thereof on the ground that he is not a national, such person may make an application to a diplomatic or consular officer. Okay, so this is where the consul comes in. Remember, the Department of State deals with the consul. Okay, so in the foreign country in which he is residing for a certificate of identity. For the purposes of traveling to a port of entry. So this is where your certificate of identity comes into play, okay? So upon proof to satisfaction of such diplomatic or consular officer that such application is made in good faith, it has substantial basis, okay, he shall issue uh, to such person a certificate of identity from any denial of application for such certificate, the applicant shall be entitled to an appeal to the Secretary of State, who if he approves the denial um, the state shall in writing um, his reasons for the decision. The Secretary of State shall prescribe rules and regulations for the issuance of certificates of identity. This is where they give you, um, you know, something from from the Secretary of State saying, "Hey, this person don't got a passport, but they're still a national, right? We still we still rock with them, right?" So the provision of the subsection. So shall be applicable only to a person who at some point prior to application for a certificate of identity has been physically present okay, within the United States of America or to persons under 16 years of age who was abroad. Okay, So a person who has been issued a certificate of identity under the provisions of the subsection and while in possession thereof may apply for admission um, into the port of entry. It shall be subject to all the provisions of the chapter related to the conduct of proceedings involving aliens seeking admission, right? So that's why I'm trying to tell y'all, man, if you just authenticated that birth certificate, but you never got a passport, you're considered an alien. Right? So a final determination, uh, or you, they consider you stateless, right? So a final determination is going to be done by the Attorney General that, per, that any person who is not entitled to admission to the United States Shall be subject to view by any court of a competent jurisdiction. Um, and this is where your habeas corpus and all that comes into play. At, so so y'all, y'all, y'all got to get this, man. And that, that's under um, eight U.S. Code. Okay, when it comes down to it. So there's a lot here 
I'm not going to drag it on too much. Um, I'm going to open up the call line, so if y'all want to holler at me, I'll take a couple of calls, and um, hopefully I got this, man. This is this is just a, a little bit of what I want to go into over the next couple of weeks, because um, there's a lot on this passport. Even with the passport being a bearer signature and all of that, it's a blank check. Like you can write your, you, you ever heard the term, you can write your ticket anywhere you want to go? That's what that is. I mean, you know, if, you know, I was talking to my old mates, you know, says if the world was like it was supposed to be, nobody would have to have a passport, which is true. Nobody would need a passport. Well, unfortunately, you need one to go from port to port and to establish your nationality, right? And then whatever else you can travel with is your, is your discretion, right? Well, that's one of the main things. Um, but with that being said, let's go to the call lines. We'll go to 917-804. You're on the line. Peace to the gods. What's that? Peace to the gods. Not much. Great show. Great show. You brought it back around for me then. So yeah, you say I mean, the passport's a uh, bear signature. It is. That's what it says at the very top. It's, it's a signature of bear. It's a security. Mm. Right. Like, it's not like to be cashed box. in. Yeah, it's not to be cashed in. It's, it's, it's the credit. So I keep trying to tell cats it's about the credit. That's where, your, that's, where your, that's where your AAA, AA, and all that credit comes from. It really comes from who the holder is on the passport. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, they they like you to think it's your social security number. It has nothing to do with that. It really the credit, the real true faith and full faith and credit comes from the the documents that establish the nationality. Your social security number doesn't establish the nationality. Hmm. It never did. Matter of fact, the Department of State has it in their manual. They tell you having a social security uh, number and a um, a driver's license don't make you a citizen. Gotcha. So when we did our passport process the way we did ours, <clears throat> that's basically explaining to them <laughs> the nationality. Yeah, that's that's explaining to them your nationality. That they know who you are at that point in time. So so do you have ingress and regress? And then so if you encounter a problem in any sense of the word, you supposed to be given uh, aid. Your aid never is never supposed to go away. Nobody can strip that aid. Got you. Okay. Can, can you can break you down a little bit more? tribunal, any of that. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, you said who holds the passport is protected by that state. Yeah, so, so the thing is, is that whoever holds the passport is protected essentially by that state. Um, originally, right? Whether and, and if it was issued because of some type of fraud or something, then they're not protected. But essentially, you, you'd be protected by that state, and then they've got equal protection clause to the Fourteenth Amendment, um, which says that you now are supposed to be equally, equally protected in all states. That's why you can go to um, Vegas if you got an issue with you from New York, right? You can um, call the police. Why you know if you're from Missouri, you go to Kansas, you can call the police. They actually tried to do that mm. to me. Um, when I, when I first um got an eight one six area code, 
um, I had a couple issues where I had to call the police. So I, and when I would call the police, um, they would route me directly over to Kansas. They wouldn't even route me to <laughs> to Kansas City. They they routed to Kansas. You know what I'm saying? Dang. So I yeah, and I had I had to tell them I'm like, yo, I'm over here on this side. Why y'all keep routing me over on that side? Because they was routing me where um my my protection was was original in the original jurisdiction there. But they was actually um in the wrong by doing that because they're supposed to grant me protection across the board, no matter what state I'm in, because of the equal protection clause. Mm, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I didn't even know. <laughs> But the passport had a home rule. Yeah, passport got a home rule. Home rule applies to everybody when it comes to that. I mean, I mean, like I said, I was in Virginia, bro, and I had got a speed ticket a long time ago. It's about probably about fifteen, about about twelve, fifteen years ago. I had got a ticket out there, man. It's probably about twelve, thirteen years ago. I got a ticket out there, and they wanted me to pay. They wanted me to pay something like three thousand dollars for the speed ticket for going a little bit over. Um, and I ended up bringing the home state rule in, and it reduced the ticket down to about two hundred bucks. Damn, damn, that's wild as shit. Yeah, uh, damn. Hmm. So I mean, the, the home state rule it applied, and back then I only had back then I had a driver's license. You know what I'm saying? But now with the passport, the passport gives you even more protection because that's international. As well as abroad, and technically, I, like I tell people, you go from state to state. That's that's uh, that's a, that could be considered an international jurisdiction from state to state. Borders, because you cross the yeah. borders, right? You cross the right. roads, absolutely. Oh yeah, so that could be international commerce, technically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, 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 well. But but the thing about it is, is that. Um, you have to, they have to ask, well, what's your activity? Because, like, let's say um, if, you, if you're doing missionary activity, it's not considered to be um, in the aspect of – it's not under the aspect of commercial commercial activity. It's considered private activity, which that's, that's really what the, the passport was issued for both, though. It was issued for, for commercial and private activity. Okay. Yeah, that was dope when you said uh, once you authenticated your birth certificate, which was annexing it out to the United States, and then you got your passport, which gave you your actual state and your nationality. Yeah, your passport brings you back in. So so you annex yourself out for protection, but then you bring yourself back in for the protection of your home state and under the original jurisdiction. You have to invoke that jurisdiction. The same thing when you when you got to invoke the jurisdiction, the original jurisdiction of the court, um, in order in order for a certain to happen in the courtroom. You know what I'm saying? And that's why you go to district court because the district court is the one who essentially is dealing with the equity. They dealing with the treaties. They they dealing with the constitution. They dealing with equity matters before you got to go to equity court. Uh, okay. That could be considered like the the county court. That's right. Could be considered the county court. Mm. So why is it when we uh, demand a trial by jury, district court can't handle it? They got to kick it up to circuit court. Because they do non-jury trials in district court because they they're dealing with the supreme laws of the land. Which is the, and that's the funny thing about it, right? Because you would think that they would be dealing with jury trials. 
because the Constitution right. has it like that. But they're really dealing they're dealing more so with with um precedent that's been set. Right? So so they they're looking at, okay, is this person's rights been been infringed on or not? Mm. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> right, right, right. If you wanted to request the jury of your peers and you're more, then they gotta bring in all Moors. They can't bring in citizens. They gotta bring in Moors who are nationals. Hmm. So once the passport was done, they would know that 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 was the uh, status. So when yeah, you actually trial right. by jury, that's what they gotta go get. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so so the whole thing is your status. You know, when you get a passport, you know, wherever you're from, that is your nationality, right? So you're protected by the constitution, right? And then if you go if you go to another step, you you will be protected by the federal constitution. Um, under equal protection in the supremacy clause, and then if you have a treaty relationship, you'd be protected under the treaty relationship. And then let's say that you was doing business, um, you know, with a trust or whatever, then then that particular entity has a nationality of person that owns it or does control of it. So all the trustees got the same nationality as the trust. Right. 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 I guess when you do the Penendez and the Cyphers, it, it's giving the, the sheriff heads up like, all right, well, look, we got something going on. We need you to go ahead and uh, assemble, assemble the, uh, the Moors, pretty much. Yeah. You know, yeah, you know it's funny because the, the sheriff, they know what's up. He ran into a sheriff a few weeks ago. I was talking to the state sheriff. Um, and he knew all about the Moors. He knew about the treaty rights and all of that. So when he saw my tags, he automatically knew what it was. You know, <laughs> I mean, so so the Penendez and the Thysis, it makes them makes them do their job. And a lot of times, um, they they could be prohibited from doing their job, um, depending upon your your conduct. So that's why your conduct has got to be on point, man. You gotta you gotta do things properly. Correct, correct. Yeah. Conduct is everything, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, all right, this is a little off topic, but it's somewhat on mm-hmm. topic. Would <clears throat> would a status and nationality have to be in place for someone to do, like, the uh, the private process for a divorce, you know, without the court? Nationality um, so paperwork. Being well, remember that the, the the wife can, the wife retains the nationality of <laughs> of of her husband, right? Even after divorce. So, um, you know, then it would come down to who's who has subject personal jurisdiction over that particular type of case. Gotcha. Yeah, I was. I was checking out the archives and they were talking about uh, I heard Jonah say something about um <clears throat> you can put your declaration for your divorce in the paper and then run it for like two weeks and then file that and that be considered your divorce papers. You could do that. You could do that. I mean and you know, and then you, you obviously would get copy of certified copy and all of that. Um and you know, and, and make it happen like that. 'Cause see the thing is is like even when you're doing your um the trust, when you set your trust up, and you're doing uh, the name correction and all that, you're supposed to put that shit in the paper. 
Okay. Supposed to run an ad in the paper. That'd be just giving the public notice type, right? Yeah, yes, sir. Giving the public notice. Gotcha. Give due notice. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. That's what's up. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a dope show. Oh, last question I got for you, God. Yes, what sir. was the name of that case you was reading? Um, that case that, that was a case dealing with a lady that was trying to get some Nigerian passports and her US passports. That case was just a second, I'll give you the name of the case. It was um it was Inwalk uh versus the consulate of Nigeria. It was done in the United States Court of Appeals, the Seventh Circuit Court of Chicago. Like I N W O K E. Yeah, N W O K E. N W O K E. Okay. Mm-hmm. She was Nigerian. Yeah, I'm gonna check that out. That, that, case, that case is yeah, that's a, that's a long case, man. Um, but I mean, they they went in said passports, so the foreign state is immune from federal jurisdiction. Right, so foreign state, um, it could be considered a whole lot of things. And, and, and just so you know, you know, to answer your question from earlier, is, you know, one of the things that they brought up in that case is they said the district courts have subject matter jurisdiction over any non-jury civil action against a foreign state if the foreign state is not entitled to to immunity under the statute, 28 U.S.C. 1330A, okay? So mm. it shifts the burden. It shifts the burden. So district courts deal with non-jury civil actions, and then they kick it up to civil court when you, when you want to bring the jury in there. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. The district court is the district court is put in place to help protect your rights, to help to help safeguard um, any wrongs, and then if it requires the jury trial, you go up to civil. Um, and then in the in the event that um, you know you're not getting the equity, you take it to probate or the equity court. Right. 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 Yeah, I'm just yeah. peeping all this because you know I'm also thinking about the uh, Administrative Procedures Act. It's like that's based on, well, that's how I did to show them. Like, look, this is what y'all are doing, and you need consent. The Administrative Procedures Act is important too because that that really. Like that, that that crosses that whole barrier, um, in terms of keeping them in check as well. You got to remember they they got to stay in check too. Keeping them in check right. is just as important. I mean, yeah, it's funny because um, a lot of people, you know, they don't, you know, the, the the military and the navy and the army and all of that, that they have a responsibility as well to the troops. To help her, to help protect the nationals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you started you know, off reading, not... it, it, it was sounding like uh, similar to the actual the treaty. And it was talking about um, being set free if they come to the port. And mm-hmm. yeah, being, yeah, being set free. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. That dawned right on me. Yeah, when you fly across the international boundaries. You hop in a plane mm-hmm. from one state to another, right? You get set free. Yep. It's funny because I, 
Because on the fourth, the fourth of July, dude, I had I had so many people. Even even when I went to my bank, it was like congratulations, happy um how 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 was how was your holiday? And people just kept telling me congratulations. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Was was there a point in time when I was supposed to be somebody's slave or something? Because what, what's that about? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. yeah, I mean, for real. I, I had to ask this. Sir. Wait, wait, wait a minute. What, whose who, whose property was I supposed to have been besides my own? You know, who who else was trying to claim jurisdiction? But that's a that's an important. That's why I do shows like this, man. I talk about this shit because a lot of this shit has happened to me. You know, and and it happens so silently that you don't even know what's happening. Because you have people in the background that's so crooked, man, that they don't follow the rule of law. Oh, hell yeah. You know? They hell ignore yeah. that shit, man. People be thinking they're above the law. You, can't, you ain't above the ain't nobody, Bro, nobody's above the law. I don't right. care if you claim me to be white, blue, red. I don't care, bro. You not Nobody's above the shit that was written to protect people. That's why sometimes they got to go to an international level, and they bring in, and then you have the UN sit step in. They don't play mm-hmm. that. Shit. They're like, wait a minute, this, <laughs> wait a minute, this, this is flesh and blood. This is a real, this is a real individual here. This ain't just a name on a piece of paper. This is a real individual, and if we got to step in to defend this person's rights, we gonna do that. Absolutely. And depending yeah. upon your level of importance to them, you know, are you are you that important for us to step in or not? Mhm. Yeah. How much of a benefit are yeah. you? Yeah. How much of a benefit are you? You know, are you are you important enough for us to step in and defend your rights for you? You know, because one person. Let's, let's keep it real. One person. You can't fight the state by yourself. You you can try, no. but you're gonna need the help of some people behind the scenes who you never heard of or seen before. When it come down to it, right? You know. Right. Um, when, when you decide to to mess with Agent Smith, so even 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 uh, even Neo had Morpheus and Trinity. You know what I'm saying? So, right, right, right. Trinity was the father, yeah. son, and and Holy Ghost. You know what I mean? You go need them all together. <laughs> you gonna need a little firepower. Yeah, you gonna have to assess the military. <laughs> you gonna have you you gonna have to deal with the military. Yeah, and right. and. Thing is, is you'll be happy, man, when the military step in. You know what I'm saying? It, it, because if they got your back, then that's on the ground, and then that's also the navy, because the military deals with, deals with the naval forces as well. That's your six. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You hear that whole term? Watch the six. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just bogey on my six. <laughs> yeah, man. And, and another thing that's not really talked about, man, is a lot of this shit is run by people, you know, for lack of, I, you, let's call them Moors. A lot of Moors are mm-hmm. running your, your military. Yeah. Yeah, you do see mm-hmm. that. You do see yeah. that. At the highest level. Yo. <laughs> Maybe they was telling you, uh, congratulations, because you got out of the, uh, they see you out of the, the slavery of the, the debt slavery, you know what I'm saying? It's it is. I mean, they'll, right. they'll make you work. Yeah, yeah, they'll, they'll make you work, literally, to pay off to pay off a debt that you didn't even know that you incurred. Somebody else could have incurred the debt and then ran off on it and left you with the bag to hold. Yeah. You know? 
you know. So I mean, you have you have to be very careful, man. Like I said, I this shit I've experienced myself. I, you know, I lost everything just to have to try to get it all back again because some of this stuff was stuff I didn't know prior. But you know, my my experience, you know, will help somebody else out. Yeah, it's serious. Learning lesson on top of it. Yeah, it's serious, man. Listen, man. You know, and then when you travel state to state, man, you know, you 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 establishing packs with those states. You know, letting them know, hey, I'm I'm a national. I'm moving around because this national is all over the place. And anybody that comes in from another country is considered a foreign national. But there ain't right. a whole lot of people who was born here that they consider nationals. So you're a special case when that happens. And there's only a handful of us. Oh, yeah, you know. yeah. That's why it helps to, to be allied with people, you know, um, who who have like minds, who's on the same page as you. Definitely, because otherwise, you know, you ain't constantly sharpening your skills, dumbing down, you, you know what I'm saying, learn about shit that they want you to think about, want you to talk about, like the shit that they have on TV, you know, sports. Come on, man. Put on You'll be in front of the football game. We're going to the football game. Not be touching your rights. Exactly. You know? Yeah. You know, I was, I was I just had a conversation today. I was watching the, the Chiefs game was on. I said, look at all these people, man. All these people will show up for a football game, but they won't show up to protect their own rights. Nope. Still won't. And expect you know. if you're going to explain it to them for it to be, you know, five-minute lesson. Yeah. Well, come on, man. This stuff, anybody that's listening knows this stuff takes years of research and studying to really fully even get your mind around it, even get to, to the aha moment. Like, oh, I get it now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it took me every bit of three. Yeah, it takes a few years, man, to really get it, man. That's why I said, you know, this this thing. That's why I, after I gave that that manual law, law the belligerent, all of that, because all of that's in there, man. They talk about that, man. You know, you become a national. You know, you you actually stepping outside of certain jurisdictions. You know, so you can't be belligerent because you you want to be able to get the help you need if you single now. You know, you want your passport yeah. to work for you. Absolutely, man. That's why I like that uh the John Wick series, man, because they 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 lay it out right now. They laid it out fully in John Wick, man, and and he and they had the whole term persona non grata. Yeah. You know, yep. Those are those are real diplomatic terms, man, that you'll find even in diplomatic handbooks, you'll find those terms. Right? Um yeah. and but believe it or not, you know, you have to get you have to seek aid so they don't spill your blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they well, use their own, their own coins and everything. Yeah, man. That's why you need aid. Because if you don't, man, if you don't get the aid you need, bro, you, you become subject to these people, you know, um, to, to the monsters out here. That's why I keep, I'm going to keep it 100 with y'all. Um, sometimes it's better to stay a citizen because then you just have the equal protection. That's why the federal government, I, like I keep saying, federal government is important. Yeah. Oh. There are, yeah, there are some good, there's still some good people <laughs> that still follow the old state system. 
Right, but it's, it's definitely important to know their rules so that you know how they're supposed to govern themselves. Yeah, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know, I mean, I'm not, you know, yeah, remember, man, half of the remedies and stuff that, that we go through, you know, if you look at the acts of Congress and all, and all that, the, even, and I'll, I'll, you know, I'll put it to you, so I'll pull it up, um, the treaty clause, part of uh, Article 2, Section 2, Clause 2 of the U.S. Constitution, it empowers the president of the United States to propose and chiefly negotiate agreements with the United States and other countries, which upon receiving the advice and consent of two-thirds majority, what they call supermajority vote, of the Senate. Supermajority. Right? Yeah, this binds them. So when we talk about supermajority, it's the requirement for a proposal to gain a specific level of support, which is greater than the threshold of more than one half um, that's used for a majority. So supermajority rules in a democracy. And can help to prevent the majority from, from eroding fundamental rights of a minority. Changes to constitutions, especially those with entrenched clauses, commonly require supermajority support in the legislature. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So this is what I was yeah, talking about. When yeah. I was people, going back into the republic, you gotta be real careful about how you do that because your republic, bro, that that's that's the part of America that wants to hang that. <laughs> right, right. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. the democracy is where you got the passport from. I mean, I it's, remember everything's been reversed. Mm-hmm. Right. The public is actually the private trust. And your your you public, your own yeah. you in the private. Yeah. So understand okay. that when, when you that's why. Yeah. <laughs> You look at how that trust that that trust declaration was written. The last thing it says when all else fails, use the United States Constitution because when all else fails, you gotta have something to fall back on because when you become persona non brother and these people this the dog they treat you they treat you real bad out here. Take it from me. Right. You know. Right, right, right. It's all loose. Yeah, I can I can see whatever coming to support. <laughs> I can definitely see what that would come into play because, you know, you don't have that, that uh, like, the verbiage that was in there, that wasn't the last case yeah. scenario, you know, like, what what the hell would it be? Like, all right, bro, you go by the come on, bro, he, rules written even in here. my trust. Bro, even in my <laughs> trust, even in the, tri- the tribal trust, I'm adopting, I'm adopting the state one, state constitution, I'm going I'm to adopt that federal one, I'm going to adopt the treaty. Just like, right. um, one of the treaties that not talked about was the Treaty of Jinx. You know, the treaty between the British and, and the United States. Right? It, it, it actually mm-hmm. is a lot like Peace and Friendship Treaty because it goes back and deals with um, your, with your plenty potentiaries. And because if you look at the, the Peace and Friendship Treaty, it talks about how there's an issue you're supposed to um, exchange captain for captain. Right? Right. And just right. And give a captain back where he originally belongs. The same, the same shit applies when it comes down between Britain and the United States, right? You know, captive for captain. I mean, this, this yeah, is deep shit. Did it also? Did it also? Not like if you couldn't, uh, if you couldn't give up the the actual captain, you had to give up the equivalent of lower soldiers, something like that. 
Lower uh, yeah. That's the name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you had to, yeah, it had to be it had to be the equivalent or something like that, you know what I'm saying? So I mean that's that's why I said this this shit is so important, man, that we understand, you know, is you made in America or not? Yeah, right. You know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> who who are you with? And remember I brought it up and I, I, I read this when I was talking about this thing last week and when I when I mentioned the whole aspect of um of of income fixed income securities, mortgage backed securities and all of that and how they use they'll even use cars. What kind of car are you driving? And then and then they try to use that as a way to test as a test. Well he's driving a foreign car, so he has to be in our jurisdiction. But that foreign car might have been made in the Ford plant. Right. That foreign, right. That foreign car yeah. might actually have American parts on it. Oh, man, they they crooked. <laughs> they crooked. They're crooked with it, though, man. Yeah, but that's the game that they play. But that's why you got to know what the, what the game really is. Because these people, they don't play fair. But look, man, there's treaties. There's an international agreement. All of that's in play to help us. That's the reason why. That's the reason why I still come on and drop this shit like this because I'm not the only one who's done the passport. I'm not. The, I'm not the only one who who's in this position. I'm actually. We actually working right now on setting up a consulate specifically to deal with um, our nationals, our Moorish nationals, or, or Moors who are nationals. Let's say that. Yeah. You know. So yeah. once we have that set up. You know, we can interface directly because, like, right now, as a tribe, I can interface with other tribal members and nationals. But then, what about those who want to be in the temples? What about those who just do their nationality, don't go in a temple, and they don't go under a tribe? Right? Mm, right. How, how are you going to interface directly with your state? You got to have a go between. The intermediary. So, yeah. So. We, I see the problem, and that's why we're working right now um, as a way to fix the problem. So you, so we can interface with military if we need to. We can interface with Department of State if we need. We can interface with these different functions um, as dignitaries, so we not look down on. Because, because well, they 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 literally will lower your your value when you come out of the system. And then and they'll, they'll throw you to the wolves. They did it to me. You better come oh, yeah. back leading yeah. back. Because, you know, shit. You you actually uh took the economics, you know what I'm saying, took all that, that what do you wanna call it? Certificates out of their system. So, you know, you you could put Bro. a big negative in it. <laughs> Bro, when I when I, when I tell you that they threw me to rural America, they threw me to rural America. Mm. I was, I, they they had me going. Um, I was dealing with different different farmers on farmlands. I you dealing with the KKK for real. And, and listen, the KKK yeah. takes black people down. Don't mean yeah. they gonna treat you right. They gonna treat you like a dog too. Yeah, Rather be a war dog or a KKK's dog. Matter of fact, go look at that movie War Dogs. It deals with that. War Dogs, I'm gonna check that out. 
Yeah, man. They got some threatening. They threatened to hang me. I got threatened. I was threatened. They threatened to shoot me. They threatened to hang me. I'm like, yo, I didn't ask for all this. I was just trying to come out, claim some nationality. Right. Just trying to go back to my forefathers and my family. Yeah. 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 I'm doing. I'm out here doing my diplomatic stuff. You know, moving around and stuff, trying to do my, trying to trying to do business. You know, and I'm getting threatened to get hung. Mm-hmm. All right, they point they was calling my phone up, fucking around on the phone. I'm talking about on some real shit. I ain't even, I ain't even make, I ain't making money. Well, but this is the type of shit that you encounter when you come out of the system. If you don't um, demand the layer of protection that you're supposed to get, they start fucking with you. It's not fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's not fun, dog. Yeah. That's why yeah, I, I, can I take do. my time when I when I'm helping people, man. You know with this shit, cause it, it really is that crucial. We oh, I can believe it, man. I definitely believe it. The military, uh, armed services, the armed forces, all of that really is black people, bro. That's the, we still running shit. We still running shit yeah. for for real, for real. Be careful, man. Is you down with your six or is you, or is you with the nine? <laughs> <laughs> and understand who's protected under the six. Yeah. Oh, shoot. I ain't going to let you. I ain't going to uh, do the phone call without bidding you a, a, a blessed 13, guys. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Tomorrow, no tomorrow doubt, no is the 13th. Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah tomorrow indeed. is the 13th. You know, it ain't, it ain't Friday. It's Monday. You know. Monday, 13th. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. Happy 13th to all y'all. 13th, oh, 13th, 13th, peace, 13th, respect. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. That's peace, God. I'm going to yield the floor to you. Got some more questions. I'm going to listen in. Man. Thank you, my brother. Good to hear from you, brother. No doubt. That's peace, guys. All right. Peace to you, brother. Right. Assalamu alaikum. All right. Uh, we're going to go to 310403. You're on the line. What's happening? Oh, what up? What up? What up, man? You sound, sound, like, you, up, uh, you sound like you see those surfing eyes. <laughs> Yo, for real though. I, you know, I, I ain't uh, watched that brother in a long time, man. He used to drop that shit. Yeah, I, I try to tell people. I, I keep the serpent eyes on my, on my wrist, dog. When I'm wearing my watch, man, I, I don't play with that. You know, that's divinity. I, I try to tell people, man. I, 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 that brother was like boot camp for me because I went from zero to sixty. Yeah. I didn't know anything. He was, I wasn't. Dog. I wasn't into any of this at all, and I, I found him, and man, and if he didn't prep, if he didn't prep everybody for what's going on right now, back then, but without Indeed, telling though, you, years ago, without telling you, bro, he was doing yeah. that years ago, man, and then he fell off the scene, he was prepping us back in, like, 2011, 2010, bro, 2012, he was about the, the Ama Mama, the big awakening, the great awakening, and all that, yeah, man. Uh, he he uh he he definitely just went more private. He still drops stuff on Twitter, 
and uh, he got he he helped people get set up. They got their own little marketplace and all that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He knew he knew about sovereignty and national. He was telling people about that shit a long time. Just like Rock Hotel. I don't know if you ever heard of him. Person yeah, science yeah. Astrology, bro. He same thing, man. These brothers were dropping them for years ago, and they was getting infiltrated too. Mm-hmm. They was getting infiltrated. This shit ain't no joke, man. It's just now more acceptable, man, for what we're talking about. You know what I'm saying? To to be a national, you know, as as where ten years ago that shit was taboo, man, and it was just it wasn't. You know, it wasn't as many people in the movement then. You know, in terms of who 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 could be collectively considered as as sovereigns. You know, you know. I mean, cause you, know, you, you got your boy uh, Joe Biden out here telling people um, to to report people who who's 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 even looking like they combatants. No, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's oh, a problem. Yeah. You know, so I I, I stand, dog. Like I said, I, I you know I stand on my square, man. You know I I do it, you know, without fear, man. Because you have to, yep. you you have and, to. And that's the same. Everything. And at the same time, without trying to sound soft or anything, soft or anything. There, there, there's there's a, a thin line between between standing on your square and going out there and being combative for no reason. You know? Yeah, exactly. You can't just be out here and be belligerent, but you got a right to, to just like I was talking about earlier. You got the right to police power. You got the right to freedom of speech and expression. You got the uh, the right for political exercise, protection to courts. Um, you have the right to, to to your personal freedom and not be denied justice. You know. Mm-hmm. Bro, I, you know, people wouldn't believe me, man, but, you know, um, they use, um, you know, and it's a warfare tactic, and the state will use this, bro. They will literally use poisonous gas, right? <laughs> Invisible gas to try to take people out. You know, yeah, sleep gas, shit like that, bro. I, I can't fall asleep, bro. I, I, I had to, I literally had to stop using air conditioning, and um, you know, I just started toughening it out. Let's open the windows, cause, bro, they'll use your ventilation system against you. I had that conversation with Jonah, man. Back when, back, back when me and Jonah was rocking real tough, we had that conversation right around the time he got sick. He caught COVID, and we, mm-hmm. we came to that it was a ventilation issue. Mm. You know that they may have tried to poison and give him COVID through his ventilation system. So enough, seven, eight months later, the same shit was happening in the mix. You know, so you got careful, man. You really do, man. But I tell you like this. Um. When you become a national, when you're using your passport and all that, when you're doing stuff correctly and you're liberating people, you know, people around you, the strength is in numbers. They may have never stopped one person, but they can't stop a hundred. Can't stop thousands. Mm-hmm. 
People show up for, for football games, but don't show up for each other. <laughs> yeah. To take that, what you said earlier, to take that a step further, not only will they not show up to protect their rights and they show up to the football game, but they will they will let their rights get violated just for the privilege to show up at the football game. Yep. So will. So will. Everybody come in here and wear a mask. I was watching the game earlier. Ain't nobody had no mask on, bro. <laughs> at the game. <laughs> They have to, no. but you make a wear a mask to get in this bitch. No, last season it was a it was an NBA game on last season. I I don't remember what arena it was, but I was tripping off the cameras were staying, you know, like court level and low, but they uh-huh. they barely kind of and everybody had a mask on, but they barely kind of went up a little bit. I don't know if it was by accident or it just happened to happen. But everybody above a certain row, nobody had a mask on. Everybody in the camera, in the, in the main camera shot, all had masks on. Mm-hmm. I, I was tripping off. I was like, it's all a big show. Orchestrated. Yeah. I remember, remember when um, they they had had the NBA players in the bubble. You know? Mm-hmm. It was quarantine, so-called doing quarantine on them. Yep. You know? The French, the French, uh, French, French brother from uh, on, on the Utah team, he came out and was making fun of it and touching stuff and like you know clowning the whole thing. And I'd be damned if he wasn't the first one that they gave it to. Come on, bro. You ever heard of the bubble act? Nah, uh-uh. what's that? Yeah, so they got something that they it was um it was an English statute that they passed in 1720, right, and it prevented fraud. Called corporate fraud is um, on on joint stock, right? So, um, was one of the reasons why um, they had NBA in the bubble, right? It was it was an act to prevent companies from competing against each other on the high seas, right? You know, it was an exchange act. So when you see them them putting each other um, in bubbles and confining their players to bubbles, because remember, um, they can trade players. Right, so you kept trading from going on too. So if you look at uh, look at the NFT, right, NBA Top Shot and all that stuff, right, that's an example of bubble act, right? It was um, assurance, um, it was insurance for the assurance um, that that essentially uh, trade could still go on in certain aspects inside of the bubble. Um, so if you look at the Assurance Corporation Act of 1719, right, that that dealt with that as well. The whole bubble law was a it was a project. So COVID was really a project. It was a project for them to look at how they could do better trade. You know, with 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 their property that they own. About property, man. COVID is really it's a property issue too. When you're dealing with COVID. Who, who can we tell to wear a mask? Who can we not tell to wear a mask? Hmm. Okay. Uh, okay. Look look at the vaccine passport. Same shit. Right? Who who can we force to have a, uh, to be vaccinated and have it in their passport? Who can we not force? Certain individuals they can't they can't force that all. Certain individuals they can't. Trade laws. Commerce, 
All this shit go back to commerce. Literally, everything we talk about go back to commerce. Matter of fact, when you don't fall in line with this shit, they affect your commerce. Yeah. Yeah. That's how deep this shit is. So. That's, yeah, that's you know, everything. How many NBA players did you see? Did you, did you ever see the shit where the NBA players um, and NFL players was talking about how they was going to get the shot? Um, because it was messing with their money if they didn't. No, nah, but I mean, I believe it. I mean, they were out there. They were out there, you know, soft, uh, soft shoeing for China too. Yeah. Well, man, China was so far that they was giving COVID shots in the ass. Or, or, or they, they had to, um, in, in order. Yeah, the test. Yeah, in order to test whether you had it or not, they, they was going to stick the shit in your ass to see whether or not you had COVID. <laughs> I mean. Come on, man. Yeah. Sodomy at yeah. its finest. That, that to me is that to me is almost like a display to show how under control you have you have your property. Like, like look how well behaved this property is. We can do this to him. Yep. That's right. Um, now who were they who were they displaying that for? There might be a potential buyer. I don't know, but man, who knows, man? You know, trying to do trying to do some weird shit as it is when it comes down to stuff like that. So, you know, I don't know how you go from testing, you know, the shit in somebody's throat, you know, to their ass. That didn't make no sense to me, but <laughs> I you know, I mean, to each his own, but. You know, I dude, I don't even like shit going in my ear. You know, when they when they testing your temperature. Right. There's that, but um, that's why, like I said, man, explanatory statements on the passport. You, you got to break down. Yeah. Hey, this is, you know, this these are these are the rights that I'm under. This is what I stand for. You know, and it wouldn't it, it wouldn't even hurt. To add some of the law of the belligerent in there, man. So this way they, they know you're not being belligerent. So this way, you know, you can still get, um, you know, you're not under military occupation, but you can still get help from these people if, if you do. Right. Okay. Right. I mean, yeah. You know, yes. If you if you look at, it, they said the military actually, um, they said actually said it's the military. Had took over the White House, um, and they had Biden down in Atlanta and Tyler Perry Studios doing his broadcast. And it was the military who really has the, the White House occupied until they say Trump comes back. Yeah, yeah, I heard all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Military occupation. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. They they showed you they showed you the joint over in. Uh... What's the place called? It's called like Myanmar, Myanmar or something like that. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they blatantly did it out there. The military was like, "Yo, we got some funny business going on." They just straight took over. Come on, man, and, and they had no problem doing that. They got no problem doing that. I mean, if it if the, the military then goes to the UN, so I mean, these, these come on, bro, these people, they they know what's going on. 
at all times. That's why I say, bro, you, you got these agencies, like, you know, you got the you got the alphabet agencies, and then you got your military agencies, right, which are supposed to keep all of them in check, too. Right? But then, remember, all that is, is subordinate to the civil power, so you really got control as, as, a, as a national, right, you still really have control over all of that and how that stuff's supposed to operate. That's why they can't just drag you into military tribunal or military court. Like they, can't, yeah, well, they can't do do the whole, um, you know, the Guantanamo Bay shit on on a, on a regular person, a regular natural person. And this is, uh, I'm, I don't know. I got, I guess I got to look at some other constitutions a little tougher to see if they say it. This is what I was tripping off of in the Maryland Constitution. It specifically says in there that martial law only applies to people. In the service, um, yeah, and only and only while they're in service. So even if they're in the service, but they're not in service at that time, it it don't even apply to them. So all this about they're gonna to apply them. martial law, they're gonna apply martial law. That has nothing to do. That's really not supposed to have anything to do with us. No, nothing at all. Isn't that a trip? But everybody's scared of. Everybody's talking about it. But it's not even supposed to. Yeah, well, well, it, it, it applies even the federal mandate. So what Biden said that if you had over 100 employees or whatever, then, then you had to either have a, a negative COVID test or everybody had to get mandatorily vaccinated. But they failed to tell you that that was a federal mandate, which means which means it's for federal employees. Yep. That's what I think. The, the federal side's got a good side and bad side. Is, you know, and it's really the military has to keep them in check. Uh, but it's the people who keep all of that shit in check. Yeah. You know? It's all about and perception. It, yeah, it is. It is you very do. much about perception. If they say some slick shit like that and you think they don't they don't tell you it doesn't apply to you, you just have to know it doesn't apply to you. But if enough people think it applies to you, like I think you were saying that on Friday, right? And then it, it kind of starts to become a, uh, uh, it, it, a, it a mandate becomes, or law because yeah. everybody's doing it. That's right. It becomes mob rule. Yeah. That's why. That's why. Like, if you look at the republic and then look at the democracy, yes, the republic is where the rights are retained. But there's really the way I look at it is really there's two sides to the democracy. There's 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 the democratic republic, and it's just a democracy. You know, and the democratic republic, of, you know, is supposed to be. You know where you know your rights are protected, and then the democracy is just straight up mob rule. Mm-hmm. In the Democratic Republic, you, you got boss. <clears throat> you know that's boss rule. Each each man is his own. Each man is his own boss. Yeah. Well, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So it, no. this shit can get complicated, but it, it takes. Being able to pierce the veil and really see through the shit, like, oh, okay, I see what that's, what that's about. Yeah, it really does, man. Because I, I see, I see the side of things when you, when you have that trust, it's, it's its own government, but you do need to come together with with others. Yeah, you, know, you do. That's why. That's right. The, the, the Hague Trust Convention is really important too. Because it, it dives into that as well, where you know you, you you do have a certain protection under that trust. 
But, you know, you ain't got no military, you ain't got no naval force, you ain't got no army, you know. And as bad as, as bad as niggas want to be sovereign, they don't have none of that. You know, most niggas don't even got length. But see, with us, I always felt like, and I got to research it a little more to see how true it is, I always felt like once we're in the proper person and doing the right thing, that stuff is already there for us and has been there for us. The yeah, beginning. I believe that 100%. I believe that as well, and I've seen that. You know, once, once you are in the, the proper position and you're doing stuff the correct way, then, then all of the, you know, the military, armed forces and all that, all that stuff's supposed to fall in line to be able to aid you. So then you get your aid. You know. Mm-hmm. You, you, you're supposed to... One of the functions of the military is to protect your right to freedom. Which means that you're protecting my right to freedom of speech. You're protecting my right to freedom of movement, freedom of religion, freedom of press. You know, freedom for, for redress. All this is supposed to be protected. And that's why I say most of these states, man, if it really wasn't for the military and some aspects of, of the laws that were that the, the feds have written, bro, these states would have niggas in slavery still. Don't yeah. think they would. They, you know, the ones who could, if they could still, if a lot of these Europeans could, could, could go back and, and they could start another war and through war, make you a prisoner of war and make you a slave through that, they would do that. Because there's still war going on right now. But then let's not forget, it'd be your own people that sell you into slavery. It'd be your own people. Right. Only your unknown people. <laughs> yeah, bro, it'd be your own people that put you in that shit. You don't even know you, don't even know that you in slavery. Mm-hmm. You know. And let me tell you something. The social security number, even though it's it's that, that number has has its, its ins and outs too. But one of the reasons why they gave that number to people too was was to help try to keep you keep track of you. Because because once you go off the grid, once you come out the system and go off the grid, bro, it's real hard for them to keep track of you. So it's hard for them to understand, you know, how we supposed to help you. If we can't get a hold of you. That type of shit. Then you actually do become down with it. Yeah. Then you become Prashana and Alan Grotter. Yep. You know. And then you go to the world of the underworld, the real underworld. You know? Yeah. Ain't too many people who can make it to the top of the pyramid and then go back down to the bottom. Like my uncle always tells me, you gotta go to the top to get to the bottom. Mm-hmm. Like you, like you showed in, uh, they kind of, uh, what you talked about, War Dogs. Yeah, uh, the movie War Dogs. Yeah, yeah. With Justin the, uh, the, the, the one dude that was like, you know, he was he was completely in the private. Like, you know, he was uh, yeah. one dude they had to deal mm-hmm. with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and, and that movie, they, they was moving weight in that movie. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But they was, and they was dealing with the same shit in that movie. Same type of concept, you know what I'm saying, where, you know, it was the military had to step in and all that stuff. So, I mean, you got, that's what I'm saying, man, you got to be careful how you move and get your passport. You got to be, you got to be very um, on point about about what what you are 
preserving and reserving as their rights. Yep. I mean, no don't play around with that. Yeah, man. <clears throat> yeah, I, I don't play around with it, man. I don't think nobody else should either. I mean, this, this is what we this is what we do these shows for, man. Whether it's me here on this station or, or Jonah or anybody else, man, it, it's to really help people understand, bro. There, there's a certain level of decorum that you gotta have. Your conduct, everything. Yeah, yeah. Conduct is everything. That's according to that. Yeah, man. But um, yeah, man. You got any more comments, questions, bro? Nah, um, not really. Not really. I'm just I'm working on working on my stuff behind the scenes and yes, sir. you know every day getting this getting this trust where where it needs to be and learning how to operate right and operating commerce man so i'm taking yeah, a step man. by step and learning a lot that's what's up i'm gonna pick those trust classes back up soon probably after we do this seminar thing Lewis. and i'm gonna, I'm gonna pick that up and uh we'll, we'll have I'm, I'm still thing is i had planned on doing it a while back we were gonna do the weekly trust classes um, but so much stuff has happened since then, so I'm, I plan on bringing that back because that's going to be helpful, man. You can see where people are at, keep on building because there's so much stuff on that trust, man, that we haven't even dealt with yet, man. Like just just the whole fact of being able to write securities, you know, and, mm-hmm. and do it, you know, and, you know, do it either through 144A or through somebody who got a Series Seven. So there's a lot more aspects to that trust, man. People yeah. benefit yeah. from. Oh, oh. Uh, speaking of the passport and everything, and then you were talking about the treaties. I was thinking about that. So, it would it would it be a good idea? I guess if you're going to go in, you say you're in court, and you you know have to get to those treaties, because that's what you really standing on at the end of the day. Would it be a good idea to to put in that certified copy of your passport record showing you know showing that? Yeah, I don't see. I don't see why that. Yeah, I don't see why that would be um, something that you wouldn't do. You just gotta make sure. Now the thing is, is you you can get. We talked about this before. You can get copies of that passport authenticated um, and and use that in the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After I got mine, I went and got the got the copies of the of the records on it. Mm Mhm. But but you can get. More so than the copies of it, you can authenticate. Same way you can do the birth certificate, you can authenticate the passport. Oh, that's you know what I'm saying. Yep. Oh, you yeah. can you can do that with trees as well. All that can go into to court cases. Hmm. Okay. It's on their website. They tell you this on the, on their website too. The Department of State. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you would get those records. Okay. I, so, yep. So, something to keep in mind. Yeah. yeah right. Right. I'm. I'm yeah. Okay, yeah, man. Remember. So, remember. Watch. Watch the throne at all costs. <laughs> Protect the throne. Protect <laughs> the throne. The, the throne is that is your passport. You know, it's your sovereignty. You know? Uh Yeah. Every, every man is a. Every man is an island. Or you're saying that old song, every nigga is a star. <laughs> yeah, the violence start popping up. That's what's up. Yep. Yeah. Protect your solar system. Yeah, man. 
you know, full faith and credit. Remember, full faith and credit, they give it to you too. On the passport, they give it to you on, on your documents, they give it to you on your birth certificate. But that's really all there ever is. That's really all there is anyway, is that monopoly money. They got to give you something. Right. Right. Now, uh, speaking of the stuff keeps popping up, speaking of the, uh, the treaties, you know, I, where do you, that, that treaty again, like, um, yeah. you know, I, I used to stay down, I used to stay down in, in that Hampton and, and Norfolk and all that area. And, uh, when I was yeah. down there, yeah, yeah yep. And, uh, this, this, I was wondering like where, what get they were talking about because I, when I used to stay down there, this girl I was talking to, uh, she was going to Old Dominion and, uh, she stayed in the neighborhood, the, the part of the city she stayed in was called Ghent. So I was like, I wonder yeah, if Ghent you talk about, or are you talking about, you know, they, they always try to make a couple different places with the same name. You don't know where they really talk about. I would say, yeah, exactly. I always like to go back to the oldest again. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of times, a lot of that shit was right here. Because remember, yeah. um, uh, England was called Albion. Yep, yep, it was called Albion. It wasn't Ghent. Ghent was right here. Yeah. You know, and, and remember that what they was doing was, you know, people was crossing borders right here, and, and they was taking they was taking people hostage and prisoners right here in the states. Yep. Yeah. Out, out here, out here in Maryland, not too far from me, there's, there's a city called Damascus. You know, see what I'm saying? Yeah. There's Cairo. There's, there's Cairo. There's, I mean, dude, it, there's a, there's some, there actually, like, for instance, you got New England, right? I mean, some of these places, man, if you go back and look before they became corporate war states, as countries were right here. Uh, China was here before it became, China was Manchuria. Yeah. Yep. You know, no doubt. These people got old maps, man. I gotta go get that book Altamorium because it talks about that in the Altamorium book, bro. All the old maps and shit. All this is in Latin. Yeah, I kept I kept hearing how you know at some point they, you know, the maps used to be, you know, flipped the other way from from how they look now. I started looking up upside down maps and all that stuff. Yeah, just looking so at them, just looking at them makes you look at everything different. It just it, it just makes you visualize everything different. Just looking at it, just that having that true. visual. Yep. yep, yep. And then and then when you start thinking about it like that, that that would mean that Canada is south, and then that that would mean that Mexico would be north. And matter of fact, yep. it makes sense. And I'll tell you why it makes sense because the farther north, the farther as we perceive it to be south, that you go, you hit Brazil. And do you know what you see at the very tip of Brazil? At the very bottom of Brazil? What's that? Oh, it's south. south. It's snow. It's snow. Oh, south of, south of, yeah, Argentina and all that down there, yeah. Yeah, yeah bro, when you get all the way to the very bottom of Brazil, bro, it's it's a mountainous region. It's a, it, All they do is snow. People be thinking yep. Brazil is just straight tropical. When you get to the bottom of that shit, ain't nothing but snow. That's how you know you're going north. The farther south you go, you're actually going mm-hmm. north. Yep. You know, so 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 you're right. The maps is definitely well. The maps is is, is flipped upside down. They do that on purpose. Yeah. You know. Well. 
And and there's, there's a remember there's, there's a dome on this planet too. So so there's that. So because there's a dome on this planet, they say, oh you can't leave the planet. But um, there's a lot of cavern shit on this planet that, that take you to, to different time time warps. That take you into parallel parallel worlds. That they take you into other universes. All that shit can be done right here on this planet. You said you said we live in the Super Mario Brothers. Hell yeah! You go through one <laughs> tunnel, you, you come out with Bowser. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? For real though. Yeah. You know? So I mean, they, they they knew what they was doing. You know, Super Mario fault. You know, that that whole game was symbolic anyway. But you know, Mario and Luigi was. Battling the unseen forces. And, uh, so, yeah. Like I said, man, we live in some magical shit out here, dude. You know, so it helps to understand, you know, understand yourself, you understand the world. Yep. Why why people over, where, where was that game made in uh, Japan? Japan or China or something like that? Like why, where, why, why would. Why would they? Why would they make a game about two Italian dudes? Uh, I, you know what? It's funny because <laughs> Italians are considered to be black. Mm. You know, I, I actually had conversations with Italians who who had a problem with that. You know what I'm saying? Because that that put Italians right there with with so-called African Americans on that on that level. You know. They call you movies. Uh, movies. Mm-hmm. Goes back to move. Or more. Or more. More. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, Italian, you know, Italian, Italians know what's up. A lot of them know what's up. They've been discriminated against, too. You know? Yeah. But... But you know, I mean, this 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 ain't nothing new, man. This this really ain't nothing new. This is just information that that's coming back out. But you, know, you do have to wonder why they use Italians, so. but they use black. And remember, Mario had on red. Uh, uh, what's his face? Luigi had on green, and, and they show white Italians, which is really black. <laughs> and remember, they had big noses too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they was trying to tell you something. 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 Trying to tell you a whole lot, fam. Mario threw fireballs. You know, keep the fire burning. He could harness the fire. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. So that plant. Yeah, man. So like I say, bro, we, we we just got we got to understand that they put this shit in everything, you know, and they and they, they teach you about who you are all the time, <clears throat> you know. Go go watch Doctor Who, you know. The shit's all in there, you know. Doctor Who wore feds. You know, they say Doctor Who said he wore feds and he said it was cool. He said so all the cool people did was wear feds. <laughs> You know, so well, there's that. People, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. So, man, that's our time, man. We we out of here for real though, but appreciate you, man, coming in. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I gotta gotta, gotta say my piece, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, the great show is, is, as usual. I'm going to go back and listen to this Thank one you, again. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate yep. it, man. You know, we we a day at a time, man. We're just lesson at a time. So, you know, I'm honored to be able to even do this work. So, it's all good. All right. No doubt. No doubt. All right, bro. I'll um, yep. talk to you soon. We'll be on Friday. All right. Peace, bro. <laughs> All right, peace, Doc. All right, um, I guess I, I got time for one more call if anybody wants to hop in. We at that time. We got a seminar coming up, St. Louis, October twenty third. You can register at the door. Um, you can pre-register on the site, but it'll be the same price as the door. If you want to just pay at the door, you can do that as well. It's gonna be at the uh, St. Louis Marriott Grand Hotel. 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. All right. Um, if you're in the area, come on out, man. We're going we're gonna to dive. You know, I'm going to give out a lot of good info, man. Show you all some stuff, how to use your trust, show you how to make a little bit of money with your trust. I think it's going to be important. Um, I'll show you how to how to do some real nice things with that, all right? Um, all right. With that being said, man, it is Sunday. Hope y'all have a great week. I'll be on the radio on Friday. So if you ain't listening to the Friday shows yet, tune in on Friday, Open Forum Friday. I'm continuing that tradition. Um, and I'm out of here, man. I'm going to bid y'all a great week. It will go to make more commerce. Um, if you need to get with me. If I haven't gotten with you yet on anything, um, if you got products or anything like that out there, um, anything you haven't received, feel free to shoot me an email, make more commerce at Gmail. Or give me a call. All right, the Google number still works, especially once on the flyer. Um, and I'm gonna say peace, man. I'll holler at y'all next week. Let it be great. Stand on your square. Peace. I put the new 4G's on the G I trap into the bloody bottoms is underneath Cause all my niggas got it out the street I keep a hundred racks inside my jeans I remember hitting them all with a whole team Now niggas can't answer calls cause I'm balling I was waking up getting racks in the morning I was broke, now I'm rich, these niggas salty All this designer on my body got me drip drip And straight up by the objects, I'm a big trip if I got up on a lean, I'm a sister. I run the record with my queen, like running and nip. But I got rich on all these niggas, I didn't forget back. I had to go through the struggle, I didn't forget that. I hopped inside of the Maybach and now I can sit back. These bitches know me now, cause I got them big racks. Cause I'm getting money now, I know you heard that. Young nigga on the corner, bitch, I had to serve crack. Uncle fronted me some peas, had to get them birds back. We came up on dirty money, I gave it a bird back. Cut off the brain and I gave my bitch a new pool. Either you running y'all gang or your two woo. Got a new all in bitch him in that pussy voodoo. And I'm that nigga now, who knew? I put a new 4G's on the G. I drop into the bloody bottles, is underneath. Cause all my niggas got it out the street. I keep a hundred racks inside my jeans. I remember hitting them all with a whole team. Now niggas can't 
sent a call cause I'm hauling I was waking up getting racks in the morning I was broke, now I'm rich, these niggas salty I've been waking up to get the money, whoa, whoa Got a bad bitch ass, said it, whoa, whoa To bench it to my toes, two twins, I'm fucking them both I put in new AP, the water like a boat I was down bad on my dick, what was you niggas at? I know you turned your back on me just to get some wreck I seen you swerve back, cause I'm in the black back New diamonds on me, fuck a flash, this ain't Snapchat Cause I been getting paid Yellow diamonds on me, look like lemonade Got my baby mama that new Ben Tager Tryna get a dojo like a sensei Rolls Royce umbrellas when I'm in the rain my, my business. I got brothers that did the time, I ain't kidding. All these rappers just talk about it, I listen. Going up, I ain't got no sky, baby, yeah, yeah, yeah. I grab into yeah. the bloody bottoms, is underneath. Cause all my niggas got it out the street. I keep a hundred racks inside my jeans. I remember hitting them all with the whole team. Now a nigga can't answer calls cause I'm balling. I was waking up getting racks in the morning. I was broke, now I'm rich, these niggas salty. Don't even think about changing the station. You're listening to The Bottom Line with your host, Joey L.